Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 428 for your sunday may 1st 2022 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your sunday evenings wherever you may be we got a lot to get into tonight ladies and gentlemen ember moon athena Exposing WWE for the absolute disgusting behavior and the absolutely miserable way they've been booking the women's division. This women's revolution is nothing but a complete farce. It is a sham. I don't know why anybody takes it seriously. And after this interview with Chris Van Vliet, you saw a woman that was absolutely and still is upset about how she was treated in the WWE You can sit there and tell me she has no charisma. You can sit there and tell me that she's entitled or she's being petty. 
And she's doing nothing more than complaining because she didn't get an opportunity over everybody else that got opportunities on the main roster. All of that is complete bullshit. All of that is complete bullshit. Listen to the interview and you can listen to the woman legitimately breaking down and crying over how she was tugged every which way in the WWE, ultimately then telling her, Vince McMahon told her, she has no spot on TV, we're taking you off TV indefinitely, and she questioned what she did wrong. And the answer is she didn't do anything wrong. The answer is WWE hates women's wrestling. WWE hates women's wrestling. And we're going to go over exactly everything she said and why I think this women's revolution is a complete fucking absolute scam. It's nothing more than political bullshit in WWE to try and make themselves look good. But in the end, they don't give a shit about women's wrestling. Triple H's vision, Stephanie McMahon's vision, everything that Sasha Banks and Bayley really set fire to, Paige and everybody else that was a part of that women's revolution absolutely dumped off to the side of the road. And WWE, John Laurinaitis, Bruce Prichard, Vince McMahon, and that fucking beaver tooth fuckface, <laughs> Kevin Dunn, he ain't getting away scot-free with this either, man. He's another fucking perverted motherfucker. He's just as guilty as anybody else. All of these men are fucking blatantly, blatantly destroying the women's revolution. We're going to go over all that right here on Off the Script. Also, I got news and notes on the NXT releases and why they, Harland, Dakota Kai, Malcolm Bivens, all this. We're going to go over why and what happens next with all of those releases. Additional news and notes on some of those guys that were released this past Friday on Black Friday from NXT. There's a lot to get into, including the Hate Mail Monday version of Off the Script, man. We have another great fan sending in some really nice fucking letters, man, to us. We got a great Becky Lynch fan that loves the show, man. Really just kind of telling us how they really feel about JD and Off the Script. It's going to be great. It's going to be great, man. We got the music queued up and everything. We got the fucking visuals so you guys can read along. It's going to be story time with JD right here on Off The Script, man. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on Off The Script. This is episode 428 of the podcast on your Sunday nights. It is May 1st, 2022. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go and check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man. We... We're a busy, busy bee this week. We were live for Friday night. We did that extra on the NXT releases on Saturday. Go check that stuff out. That's the latest. Wednesday, Jesse and I were live with AEW Dynamite. Great show there. Tuesday, I was live for NXT. Monday, I was live for Raw. Make sure you guys go check all that stuff out. We're going to do it all over again this week, man. Starting with Monday Night Raw, which should be a big night on Monday. Roman Reigns and the Bloodline. They're showing up on Raw to do what? I don't know. Maybe WWE finally gives us that unification match that they fucking canceled at Backlash on Friday night. Jesse, shut the fuck up, man. Go make me a goddamn pork taco, bro. Seriously. And uh, you can leave the sour cream off, man. I don't want to hear you bitch and moan tonight, okay? So go check all that shit out, man. It is on the homepage right now for you if you want additional content of the podcast. Make sure you guys go hit that thumbs up, man. I see 533 likes. 
on the live stream chat right now. We need at least a thousand minimum today on Off the Script. Get your super chats in. We're going to hang out at the end of the show. Make sure you guys get them on in, man. We always usually hang out with some cold beverages and some great music. So make sure you guys go and get those super chats in. The bar is crazy, man. I see it from here. Drinks are flowing. Everybody's got a smile on their face. The venue is the place to be on Sunday night. Also, make sure you guys get those uh, those channel memberships in. Those channel memberships are very important, man. You guys want to sit VIP with me? You guys got to hit that join button down below. Become a VIP. You guys get those custom emotes available in the live stream chat, available in the comments section as long as you're a channel member. Also, you guys get those badges next to your name to show off your VIP status. So hit that join button and become a VIP right here on Off The Script. T-shirts, bonfire.com is the exclusive home of Off The Script. Today's show is sponsored by my friends over at Blue Chew, bluechew.com. Make sure you guys go hit them up, bluechew.com, code JD at checkout for your F-R-E-E, your free sample. All you guys got to do this pays for the $5 shipping and handling. That is bluechew.com, code JD at checkout. Ladies and gentlemen, let's start right at the top. We got a lot to go over tonight. I don't want to waste any more of your time. We got news on the NXT releases, man. We did this in an extra on Saturday. We talked about the NXT releases, the notable names that were released, Parker Boudreaux, Harland, who I thought was going to be a very, very big deal on NXT. They let him go. Ridiculously enough, they let him go. We'll talk about that in a second. We got Parker Boudreaux, Harland. We got Dexter Loomis. We got Dakota Kai. And we got Malcolm Bivens. Malcolm Bivens was also released from WWE. The other notable names, Draco Anthony. He had a handful of matches on NXT. I didn't really get a good glimpse at him as much as I wanted to. But apparently they think he did not progress enough. And Persia Perota, who's been on TV... And if you guys uh, are asking, who the fuck are these people, J.D., I I don't really understand. Uh, Yes, I don't blame you for not watching NXT. It is a complete disaster on Tuesday nights. Persia Perota, she was the on-screen girlfriend of Duke Hudson. She was Indy Hartwell's best friend. They were involved with Dexter Loomis and Duke Hudson. uh, And they are now just down to Duke Hudson and Indy Hartwell. So I'm assuming that Indy Hartwell is now going to be dating Duke Hudson. Because that's the way this works out on WWE television. they got to make sense of something, and they'll probably end up going with that, thinking that we forgot what we have watched on previous weeks of television. Harland. We talked about this on Saturday, man. Harland, Parker Boudreaux, was a huge prospect for WWE. They made a big deal about him. Paul Heyman, who had an eye on him, even quote-tweeted something and said, remember this date, this guy's going to be the next big thing. In WWE, in the world of professional wrestling, Uh, clearly it's not going to be happening with WWE, but he had an advocate in Paul Heyman. He had many, many, many different connections all across sports and entertainment, uh, including the music industry. He had nearly, or has at least, 900, nearly 900,000 followers on Instagram. I mean, this guy had just as many followers on Instagram being a rookie inside the Performance Center than most of the main roster talent does That is in the WWE right now full-time. So I don't know how they did not use him or find aspects about him that they could use within their walls, within their bubble, in WWE to branch out into different 
into different uh, opportunities, into different aspects of sports and entertainment. I, I don't really understand why they would let someone like that go. You know, I, I was a big fan of his and the Joe Gacy act. I didn't really sit here and praise Joe Gacy every single week because I do think it's a cheesy, cringy take on Bray Wyatt. I think Joe Gacy is one of the better parts of that horrendous show on Tuesday night. But there's only one man that you really want to do in those creepy gimmicks nowadays, and that's Bray Wyatt, because the level of creativity that Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda has, is unlike anything else. You could take Joe Gacy and you can have him do the Druids and the Darkness and all this other fucking creepy bullshit, but at the end of the day, he's going to be nothing more than a bargain basement Bray Wyatt fiend. So I don't know what they're doing there or what the direction is there. Joe Gacy was enhanced by somebody like Harlan because Harlan was very intimidating and he had a menacing presence about him. That's somebody that you could really look at and remember in conjunction with the Joe Gacy act. And now Joe Gacy doesn't have anybody. So I'm wondering if WWE is going to give Joe Gacy a supporting act here for this, for this gimmick. If not, Joe Gacy may flounder and fail. Not taking anything away from Joe Gacy, he's doing what he's asked to do and he's doing... Uh, a pretty decent job at it, but let's be real. It's nothing more than a great value, Bray Wyatt, and nobody's really going to play that role up until the great, uh, up to the greatness that it could be besides the Wyndham Rotunda. Everything else is going to pale in comparison. Parker Boudreaux was somebody that I said, I don't know how WWE didn't find aspects about him that they could use. Six months. Six months is the cutoff time. He's been there for about a little over a year, He was on TV. WWE feels that six months, and Triple H even mentioned it in the athletic interview that we did, and we covered that a couple of episodes ago on Off the Script. He said it in that. He's like, you only need six months with the the way that we're taking in talent and the way that we're pumping talent into the performance center. We only need about roughly six months to know whether they're going to make it or fail. Parker Boudreaux clearly did not make the cut for six months, and they let him go. And this is what I don't understand. They made a big deal about bringing him in. He had several different eyes and ears and advocates in the, in the company. And they let him go because he wasn't progressing enough. So I, I have to ask everybody in the chat, well, what makes Parker Boudreaux so bad as far as his in-ring acumen is concerned? But yet we see Lash Legend on TV. I got something else flying around me. I don't know what the fuck it is, man. I'm, if I kill something on, on stream tonight, then you know. Just letting you guys know, a uh, word of warning, if you see me fucking clapping my hands for no reason in midair, I'm trying to fucking kill this goddamn gnat that's flying around me if you guys are watching live on YouTube. What, what gives Lash Legend the right to be on TV? She's fucking horrendous. She's horrendous. Cora Jade is green as grass. Most of the women in that division don't belong on television. Outside of Natalia and Io Shirai and their main roster acts legitimately... What makes Dana Brooks set for television? She's terrible. She's been there for how long? Eight years? She still can't fucking wrestle correctly. If Parker Boudreaux is so bad, how does he pale in comparison to someone like Omas? How is Omas on television, but Parker Boudreaux is not progressing enough inside the performance center? I I don't understand that. I really don't. And And what I mentioned as far as he is concerned is A, they, they didn't really give him a chance. They, they fucking cut this guy's wings off before he could even do anything. They cut his hair. They put him in some creepy fucking Jason 
look-alike costume from fucking Halloween or Friday the 13th, Michael Myers, whatever the fuck you want to call him, Michael Myers, Jason, they, they put him in some fucking horror outfit, some fucking prison-like outfit. He was pretty much the, the, the modern-day nails on WWE television. You don't want to model yourself after fucking nails. They, they called him Baby Lesnar, yet they took everything away from him that made him Baby Lesnar. I don't understand it. He was a part of the NIL program before the NIL program was actually announced and given a name and a direction was set with the NIL program. NIL, next in line program for WWE. That's how they're hiring now. This is their hiring process. College athletes, football players, lacrosse players, gymnasts, cheerleaders, whatever it is, people from all walks of entertainment, you want to come on in. Join the WWE Performance Center. We're looking for the next WrestleMania main event superstar. We're looking for the next household name. They cut this guy's balls off before he even got into the ring and showed us what he was capable of. The NIL program was exposed by Parker Boudreaux's absence. It was exposed by his release because WWE, no matter how much they want to tout, the next in line being somebody that is from football or or the NBA or, or the WNBA or wherever they're getting their fucking athletes from, the NIL program was exposed for being a fucking scam. Because now if Parker Boudreaux wants to stay in the world of pro wrestling, he's going to go and branch out and do something else. He's going to train under somebody else. He's going to learn the ways from somebody else. He's going to be an independent professional wrestler. WWE is then going to look at Parker Boudreaux sign on with somebody like Impact or MLW or Ring of Honor. Tony Khan just purchased Ring of Honor. They need notable names now. Youth. They need somebody like that. He may end up with AEW. Jim Ross is a huge fan of Parker Boudreaux. So if he goes to the Indies, he's going to be an independent professional wrestler. If he goes with another promotion, he's going to be a part of an independent promotion. If he wrestles GCW, if he wrestles any of these other fucking places, Progress, Defy, whatever, he's going to be an independent professional wrestler. And WWE doesn't want independent professional wrestlers. So then he gets to a point where they start want to looking at him. They, they want to start looking at him again. They start looking at him and his work and his body work and what he's accomplished away from the WWE Performance Center. Then they bring him on in. Theoretically, think about that. They bring him on in. He's going to be, told you, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. This fucking cocksucker, man. I'm going to get this motherfucker. He's going to go to the Indies. They want to bring him on in. He's going to be known as an independent professional wrestler. So the NIL program is a complete fucking sh- scam. It exposed the NIL program. And, and this is why I said whatever Triple H was doing, they had the right mindset when Triple H was in charge. His ways and his vision was the right way. WWE dumped his vision because they didn't want to give Triple H any of the, uh, of the praise for making and building the WWE's future. Obviously, they have to get rid of that and move on to the Nick Conway and the, and the Bruce Pritchard way and the Vince McMahon way because that's what they want. They want all the praise themselves. Triple H can't get any of the praise. They're not going to give Paul Levesque any of the fucking praise. Meanwhile, what he did, he built the future for WWE. And, and all these men, Bruce and Vince and Nick Khan and Kevin Dunn, they killed the fucking future. Parker Boudreaux is going to be fine. I'm most excited about what he's capable of. I'm going to watch him, and I want to see what happens, man. Because this, to me, that was the biggest thing that stood out about his release. Dexter Loomis, I don't know how you don't do anything with Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis was a very, very good in-ring performer. 
Very good in-ring performer. He's been playing this creepy stalker fucking gimmick for the last decade almost. Sam Shaw. I wasn't familiar with Sam Shaw in Impact because I didn't watch Impact. I watched NXT, and when I saw Dexter Loomis in NXT, I'm like, whoa, who is this guy, man? He commanded your attention. That was the first time I personally seen the gimmick. And then he was released on Friday, and I'm asking myself why. This guy had little markings of Randy Orton about him. This guy had little markings of The Undertaker about him. That slow, methodical pacing, that slow, methodical style. His offense was very quick and very, very impactful. I don't know how you don't do anything with Dexter Loomis on the main roster. You put him in a, in, in a, in a dark match and you let him go. There's no way that he's not going to impress you. You, you want to know why Dexter Loomis was released? Because he is 38 years old. Dexter Loomis was gone from the company on Friday because of his fucking age. And everything he did in NXT up until the comedy shit was very good, man. I was looking forward to him. I was looking forward to him maybe being a North American champion. I was looking forward to him being a, a vicious heel in the company. They paired him with Johnny Gargano, which is great because I love Johnny Gargano. They kind of humanized him a little bit, but he played it. he played it well. The role was very good for him. And then when Johnny left... Him and Indy got married on TV. After the wedding, WWE fumbled Dexter Loomis. He should have been called up to the main roster. There was really nothing left for him to do in NXT. And then when NXT 2.0 got started, Dexter Loomis clearly did not fit the mold of NXT 2.0. And then they just let him flounder there. Oh, we're going to pair you with Indy. We're going to do this thing with Persia Perota. We're going to do this thing with Duke Hudson. And then all of a sudden, they let him go. He was on TV. Persia Perota was on TV. He was married to Indy Harwell. Now all of that is gone. You wasted all of our time. You wasted all of our time. How Dexter Loomis did not make it to the main roster, I don't get it. But apparently, WWE, they, they looked at his age, 38 years old. Is the reason why Dexter Loomis is not there, because he is very good and very capable of doing whatever the fuck you need him to do in the ring. He was let go because of his age, which makes me worry about somebody like Santos Escobar. Santos Escobar is also 38 years old, man. Santos Escobar is, to me, easily the best thing in NXT. He is easily the best professional wrestler in NXT. Who's to say WWE doesn't turn around one of these weeks and release Santos Escobar? And then kills off Legado del Fantasma. Can you imagine that? How don't you find anything for these men to do, man? You got such great talent in this company and you're wasting it away, throwing it away because of their fucking age. So not only is sexism running rampant in WWE, but ageism is running rampant in WWE. That's a fucking shame. That is a crying fucking shame. Dakota Kai. I don't know how you don't do anything with Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai was 33 years old. 33 years old is not old, Bruce. Vince, Nick Khan, she didn't want to be there anyway. Her contract wasn't up until next April. She already told them that she didn't want to sign an extension. They came to her with an extension. Let's re-up. Let's talk about contracts out of She didn't want to resign. She worked dark matches. They should have called her up from right then. Right from the word go. She had a couple of dark matches on, on SmackDown, right before SmackDown. Nothing. She went right back down to NXT, and they had her talking to herself. Man, she was fucking talking to herself. She had this crazy fucking gimmick where she was hearing voices in her head. That's exactly what happens when you work with WWE Creative and your show is run by Bruce Prichard. You start fucking talking to yourself, man. You start going crazy. It's exactly what they turned her into, man. A fucking lunatic. How this woman did nothing on NXT and then get denied the main roster, I, I don't get it. How does somebody like that not add value to your women's division right now that needs 
names and capable in-ring performers. You know Dakota Kai had one of the best heel turns in all of NXT history? That was fucking awesome. It happened in war games too, man. She was in the fucking cage with her teammates and then ended up turning on her teammates. Ended up turning on Tegan Knox. Don't know how you don't follow that. Don't know how you botch that. She wasn't even booked all that well, even when Triple H was there, man. They were going back and forth on her. Triple H let her do what she needed to do. But when Bruce took over, forget about it. Forget about it. It was the end of the line for Dakota Kai, and she felt it. She saw it. She told him, no, go fuck yourself. I'm not re-upping. So they let her go. Now she's got 30 days, and she'd fit perfect in AEW. She'd fit perfect on Impact. She'd fit perfect on any women's division, man. If you're a fucking pro wrestling company and a pro wrestling promoter, you're dying to have somebody like Dakota Kai. Persia Perota, complete waste of time. I'm glad she's gone. I feel sorry for anybody that loses their job, but she added no value to the show at all. None. She was terrible in the ring, and she didn't add any value as far as her character work is concerned or her in-ring work. Whatever she did in the ring didn't really blow me away by any means. Malcolm Bivens. Malcolm Bivens. He is another one, according to Fightful Select and Sean Ross Sapp, that declined a contract extension with WWE. They came to him last year, and he re-upped. They brought him the idea of Diamond Mine being paired with Roddy and the Creeds. He said, all right, I'll stay another year. This year they asked him, no. He's not staying. He wants out, and they let him go. Malcolm Bivens, according to Fightful Select, they wanted him on the main roster. They wanted Malcolm Bivens on the main roster. They wanted Malcolm Bivens and pitched the idea to Bivens to be the manager of Omas on the main roster on Monday Night Raw. This was a few months back. And he declined it and made it clear he will not be signing a new deal this year. Well, I can't see why he didn't fucking resign with the WWE. I mean, that's basically asking him to fucking leave. An idea like that is saying, please, Malcolm, go and do what you want to do, man. This is our bad. That's your best for Malcolm Bivens. Managing Omas is the best you have for Malcolm Bivens. Are you fucking serious? You know, Malcolm Bivens isn't Jesus Christ. He's not the Lord. He's not going to be able to come down through the fucking sky and the clouds on Monday Night Raw and bless us with Omos all of a sudden becoming must-see television. Please, give me a fucking break. Omos is doomed. You paired MVP with Omos. MVP was great with Bobby Lashley. This is actually going to be a detriment to MVP. They're going to somehow blame it on MVP. Why Omos is not going to get over on the main roster. If MVP can't do it, what makes you think Malcolm Bivens would be able to do it? So I don't understand why you would even bring him this idea. You can put Malcolm Bivens with anybody. Omos was the best you got. Dijak ain't doing anything. He's still teabag. He's still T-bar on WWE television. I don't know why you can't give him a mouthpiece and change his gimmick and rework with him. What about Mace? Mace could have easily used Malcolm Bivens. You could have been Malcolm Bivens with anybody. Anybody. You could have been Bivens with Bobby Lashley. Anybody. Omas, you're asking basically for Malcolm Bivens to walk out the door and never come back. That was their plan. L.A. Knight, you guys know what's happening with L.A. Knight. The Knight model management or the Knight model agency that they got going on. We'll see if that makes it to television. I said it then. I'll say it now. L.A. Knight, they set him up for fucking failure, man. They paired him with Mace 
and Mansoor. It's almost asking L.A. Knight to fail, and then when he does, they'll end up getting rid of him as well because he's 38, 39 years old, however old he is. That will never make it to television, and it will never get over. If you want L.A. Knight on the main roster, that's one thing. Have him wrestle. But you want him on the main roster as a fucking manager for two guys that have been off TV, and when it inevitably fails, then you're going to end up blaming L.A. Knight because everybody said, oh, look how great he is. Look how great of a, of a promo he is. He can't get these guys over. What good is he? It's exactly what's going to end up happening. If it makes television, forget about it, man. You're asking this guy to fucking fail from, from day one if you're pairing him with Mansoor and Mace. They're not even on fucking television. The crowd doesn't give a shit about Mace and Mansoor, but you're building L.A. Knight, this gimmick, with these two guys around him. I don't get it. Dakota Kai's deal was set to expire in April 2023. She said no, so they let her go. Meltzer noted that the NXT creative was blindsided by some of these releases because some of the people who were cut, Persia Perota and Dexter Loomis, for example, they were involved in storylines and on-air relationships. Others, such as Harland, were not as much of a surprise because he had been removed as part of Joe Gacy's act a couple of weeks ago. WWE, they are fucking ridiculous. They are. And everybody praises all the fucking neckbeards and the geeks and the virgins out there, these fucking incels online that live to hate AEW. They praise NXT. NXT is fucking horrendous. I don't know how anybody can stand by this NXT after what we got with Black and Gold and Triple H as the leader. Triple H was removed from power. It is now a Bruce Pritchard show. And look at what they do, man. This is going to happen quarterly. This, this release of WWE talent. Every six months. If you're not cutting it, you're getting on that list. And when you're on that list, WWE is going to have a Black Thursday or a Black Friday or a Black Tuesday. Whatever day these releases fall on. Dexter Loomis. Parker Boudreaux, Dakota Kai, Malcolm Bivens, and whoever else they want to let go. There's a reason why nobody's watching the fucking show. If WWE themselves is not investing in this talent, what makes you think that the fans are going to reinvest their fucking time back into the talent and back into the show when they know full well that this is the end result? Why am I going to invest my time in Dexter Loomis, who I thought was fucking great, and then him ultimately get released. Why am I watching your show to see this guy advance to the next level? When ultimately his, his fate is sealed. Because they don't like him. They don't like how he works. Or he's too old. They got no plans for him on the main roster. This is a fucking disgrace. It really is. And if you want to know why people aren't watching NXT, that's the reason why people are never going to watch NXT. WWE finally has a new name for the stadium show that they will be holding in the United Kingdom. First show in 20 years will happen on September 3, 2022, when the company comes to Principality Stadium in Cardiff, Wales. Ever since the event was announced, fans have been referring to the show as the UK Stadium Show. And we wait for an official name announcement, and that came this week. And the name is Clash at the Castle. It's got some weird-looking font. It looks very cartoonish. It looks very Harry Potterish, as far as the font and the logo that they used. The wait is over, and we're finally getting this show after 20 years in the United Kingdom. Tickets 
go on pre-sale on May 18th and general sale on May 20th. WWE have already had over 150,000 people sign up as far as fan interest for this show for information based on tickets that will be available for this show. It is going to be a sellout on day one. And that's how, that's how thirsty the fans over the United Kingdom have been for a live WWE pay-per-view after all this time. And the last pay-per-view that we saw was the 1992 SummerSlam, full-fledged major pay-per-view, SummerSlam at Wembley Stadium in 1992, headlined by Bret the Hitman Hart versus the British Bulldog for the Intercontinental Championship. Drew McIntyre has spoken out about these, these shows that they want to bring to the United Kingdom. He's always advocated for a pay-per-view in the United Kingdom. And he's been calling out Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury said that when he's done boxing, I believe he is now retired. He wants to make a transition to the WWE. And if they are coming to the United Kingdom, which is the case on September 3rd, he wants to be there. And the rumored opponent for him would be Drew McIntyre. You can keep that shit. I'm not interested in that whatsoever. I don't know who would. But WWE, knowing how they work, they're going to book the fucking match. The last time we see Tyson Fury in a ring, we, we see him going, on, uh, going up against Braun Strowman. Nobody was interested in that. It was a fucking train wreck. Why would you want to see that? Why would you want to see Drew McIntyre, who's one of the most accomplished pro wrestlers on the roster, against Tyson Fury, who is not a pro wrestler? How is that a draw for us? It may be a draw for the fucking people over there in the United Kingdom. I couldn't give a single shit. You guys can keep that. I don't want it. But we're getting a Clash of the Castle September 3rd. And obviously, when that time comes, I'll be live on YouTube covering the show. Should be a fun, fun atmosphere as the United Kingdom fans are some of the best fans in all of pro wrestling. Ember Moon. We might as well get into it. Ember Moon was interviewed by Chris Van Vliet. Chris Van Vliet of Insights, his podcast Insight on Blue Wire Podcasts, part of the Blue Wire family like I. Had a very, very good sit-down with Athena, Ember Moon. And I couldn't wait to listen to this after reading some of the transcription online. Might as well get right into it because there's a lot to really digest here as far as Ember Moon is concerned. WWE, they want you to think that women's wrestling inside their walls is the most revolutionary thing in all of sports and entertainment. I'm here to tell you that the women's revolution is a complete fucking scam. It's been a scam for years. No new talents have been built up outside Bianca Belair, and I'm even pushing it with Bianca. I'm even pushing it with Bianca. She doesn't feel special to me. She's just there because she exists, and they need people. Sasha Banks has taken a backseat role for the last couple years. Sasha Banks should be the number one female in the entire division, man. You guys can fucking at me. You can leave me a comment in the comment section. I don't give a shit. Sasha Banks is the best female professional wrestler on the main roster right now. And no, it is not Asuka. No, it is not Asuka. Sasha Banks has legitimately everything you would want for a top superstar in that division. And she's playing fucking fourth-rate fucking fiddle with Naomi and the dead tag team titles. Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and Bailey. Bailey hasn't even been there for a year and a half. She's been injured. In comes Bianca Belair. They needed somebody to take Bailey's spot because, B, because Bailey was injured. So in comes Bianca Belair. Asuka, 
She hasn't been the same. She had one of the worst title runs that I think has ever been on Monday Night Raw with the Raw Women's Championship. She didn't do nothing with the championship. As soon as Becky Lynch gave her that title, man, they didn't do anything with that title. Asuka did nothing with the Raw Women's Championship. Name me one thing that stood out about Asuka's reign. Nothing. The one thing that stood out about Asuka's reign was that she was awarded the title in a fucking briefcase in an empty gymnasium because Becky Lynch got knocked up. That was it. Asuka and Sasha Banks and Bayley, they held the pandemic down. That's what I remember. Asuka herself didn't really do anything when she was the champion. But during the fucking pandemic, all three of those ladies held that shit down. Asuka was showing up for work every fucking day. But as far as champion is concerned, she didn't do shit. She didn't do shit. Bianca Belair is just there because Bailey has been out. Alexa really isn't much of anything on the main roster right now. And don't think that WWE won't release Alexa Bliss, man. They let her go. Oh, but she's a top merchandise seller. So was Bray Wyatt. They let him go. But Bray Wyatt isn't blonde. And Bray Wyatt doesn't have a nice ass. So Bray Wyatt's going to be let go over an Alexa Bliss. But don't let that fool you. They will let her go. If they don't have anything for her and they don't want to pay her, they will let her go. The women's revolution is a fucking scam. It's always been a scam. Charlotte Flair leads the women's division. Nobody gives a shit. Ronda Rousey came in. She made the division fucking great her first go around. And then look at what we have now with Ronda Rousey. What is Ronda Rousey doing that's so revolutionary on SmackDown, man? This is one of the most embarrassing runs of a, of a women's pro wrestler I've ever seen. One of the worst fucking women's title runs, title feuds, title programs. One of the worst everything is Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. It's awful. It's an embarrassment to pro wrestling. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On her last few months in WWE, Athena says this. I feel like I need to talk about it just to get it off my chest and to get it out there in the universe. Because my last four months was just one of those moments that I wasn't having fun anymore. And it started with Shotzi being gone. And Shotzi being drafted. I remember like thinking, I was sitting at home And I got a phone call saying, hey, we don't want you to be upset, but Shotzi got moved to SmackDown and she's debuting with Tegan Knox as a tag team. And I just was sitting there and I was like playing Dungeon and Dragons and the most beautiful day of my week. And I'm getting this phone call about how Shotzi's been drafted. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy for her. 
you don't need to be happy for her. She's fucking miserable, I'm sure. So Ember's probably looking back at this and thinking, my God, I now feel sorry for Shotzi Blackheart. She is about to get fucking John Laurinaitis. She couldn't wait to get to the SmackDown roster, and now she's dying to get off the fucking SmackDown roster is Shotzi Blackheart. Don't feel bad for Shotzi Blackheart. That woman is as dead as anything I've ever seen on the main roster in many, many, many years. They haven't done jack shit with her, man. She lost to Ronda Rousey in about a minute and 20 seconds on Friday night, running around the ring, playing ring around the Rosie for half the fucking match. She don't even get a fucking entrance anymore. Yet I'm supposed to feel excited and happy for Shotzi Blackheart. I feel bad. I feel sad for Shotzi. So Shotzi's been drafted. I, I'm so happy for her, she says. And then I'm like, well, the tag team, tag team thing popped out. And I was like, but we're the tag team and we have the merch and we're doing fun things. And we finally just got into our groove of the banter. But they're like, don't worry, we have stuff for you. And I was like, okay, cool. And I remember going to Hunter, and Hunter was like, I have no idea what's going on, and we're going to worry about this and figure this out together. Hunter didn't even know. Hunter didn't know Shotzi got called up to the main roster. He did not know why she was getting called up to the main roster. Don't worry, I have no clue. We'll figure this thing out together. How many fucking times do you think that they put Paul Levesque through that same situation over and over and over and over and over again? It happened the last big time that it happened. Vince wanted Ricochet, Aleister Black, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa all on the main roster. Remember that one Monday Night Raw where he pulled all four of those guys from NXT? Triple H didn't know about that at all when that happened. And he put them all on Monday Night Raw, and he told the creative team, because I remember like it was yesterday, think of out-of-the-box ideas, throw them out there, and let's see if they sink or swim. Triple H didn't even know about that. And you mean to tell me that Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard and everybody else in charge, they don't do the things that they do, the, the things that they do in a calculated way? Everything they do is strategic calculated and they know what they're doing they purposefully don't tell triple h they don't tell him anything they think they could have free reign and do whatever the fuck they want meanwhile he's the one who's going to suffer because all of his plans end up getting fucked over and the talent gets fucked over as well how many times do you think triple h has been put through that yeah we'll figure it out we'll figure it out together and like that was that and so much of what I needed at that time because no one really knew what was happening. You know, Bailey had gotten injured. I know Shotzi and Tegan were going to go do dark matches for a tryout anyway. And they were like, well, we are, you know, already here with these girls. These girls are already here. Let's throw them out there. But the problem I had was kind of like some, some of the newer writers were like coming from Raw, coming from SmackDown. And they were like, we had no idea you and Shotzi were a tag team. Can you imagine being Athena in this moment? So Shotzi gets called up to the main roster. And WWE has writers that are there working for the company. And they blatantly admit, well, I, you know, we didn't know that you and Shotzi were a tag team on NXT. They were the fucking tag team champions. They held the women's tag team championships and you have fucking <laughs> these fucking imbecile writers on Raw and Smackdown telling her 
that, oh, we didn't know that you and Shotzi were a fucking tag team down on NXT. Really? So WWE is employing people to write for their shows that don't know what the fuck is going on across all facets of WWE television. How do you work for the fucking company and not know every aspect that is WWE programming? Now, if you're a writer, maybe you you do so much on Monday or, or so much on Friday. I mean, by the looks of the fucking shows, you don't do jack shit. You don't do much of anything because the shows are fucking terrible. But per se, if they're writing Monday and Friday... And you don't want to watch any additional pro wrestling content because you're so you're so filled up with your wrestling fix on Monday, working for Vince and working for Bruce. You are so lazy that you can't ingest some fucking clips on YouTube or go watch a fucking highlight package of what happened on Tuesday night. You don't have people in the company that at least one or two of them know, maybe be a mediator of sorts and run this shit by the fucking talent. You don't have one fucking person on that creative team to sit down and and understand what the fuck is going on on Tuesday night if you're calling people up from the Tuesday night show. Nobody in that company is in the position to get a a profile together or a resume together and hand these, these papers to the fucking creative team. Yeah, we got Ember Moon getting called up to the main roster tonight. This is her, uh, this is her line sheet. This is her name, her height, her weight, her character. This is what she's done and what she's done in NXT and who she's feuded with and yada, yada, yada. You don't have nothing like that on the main roster where somebody compiles all of these statistics and then gives them to the writing team so they know who the fuck they're dealing with when they eventually get called up. I, I, I don't understand this. This is so foreign to me. Nothing makes sense. So this woman was already getting fucked over and it just snowballs from there. Shotzi was just the beginning of Ember Moon just being driven into fucking madness. So the writers, oh, we didn't know you and Shotzi were a tag team. And like just sitting there and just a lot of WWE backstage is having to play the game of, yeah, man, it's cool. We get it. We're down here at NXT. It wasn't like we weren't front page of WWE.com or anything when we won the tag team titles. And that's fine. Yes. And you're just having to, I guess, eat the shit sandwich and smile with the shit in your teeth a lot of the times because it's all about not making waves. So she was upset about Shotzi getting called up because... They automatically took Shotzi from her. They had something solid going on, only to pair Shotzi with Tegan on the main roster in the same fucking tag team that Shotzi was in on NXT. And believe me, we all as a fan base complained about it. I remember, like it was yesterday, I complained about it. Shotzi got called up. She's paired with Tegan. Uh, I don't understand why Tegan was just now getting back and you know, the storyline was there for her and Dakota Kai or, or whoever she was feuding with down in NXT. Her and, uh, and Candice LeRae, I believe it could have been. I don't know, something like that. But Shotzi, they, they took her from a tag team to pair, him, pair her in another tag team. Meanwhile, you just could have called up Shotzi and Ember, and none of this would be a fucking problem. WWE would have never had to be exposed by Athena on Chris Van Vliet's podcast if you just called them up to the main roster together and gave them a solid plan and direction together. This is why it didn't work and why she's complaining about it, because it doesn't make fucking sense creatively. It doesn't. Tegan was not a part of a tag team. 
She was not a part of a tag team. Ember Moon was. Shotzi was. Tegan was not. It doesn't make sense. She continued. And it's just like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I, I bet I or I bet you didn't know we were a tag team. Look, you, you look at Sharp, look at this, you know, it's just like, okay, cool. And it was like, you know, me and Hunter and the head rider at the time, we all had to come up with, all right, we're going to do a heel turn for me because that's something new and that's something different. And during this process, we wanted to do a losing streak, or at least that was my thought. Let me do the losing streak thing. So this woman wanted to go on a losing streak. All right, they took her tag team partner away from her. She wanted to go on a losing streak. She pitched an angle and a storyline to Hunter, to, to, to Triple H, about losing to all the upcoming NXT talent, which would drive her to insanity, and then a heel turn would happen for Ember Moon. That is a selfless act. That's a woman that, right, right from there, cared about the women's division enough to take losses because she was going to get the best of both ends. She was going to put over talent because she was the veteran on the roster, and she was going to eventually turn her character to a different way. She wanted to go heal after all of this, and she wanted to reap the benefits of putting other people over and going through the storyline and taking these losses, and she would be rewarded with a storyline and maybe a greater character because of it. So she was very selfless, in this act, and that's what the plan was for her to turn heel and go on a losing streak and put other talent over. I see all these new faces coming through here. Part of my job at NXT was to help the new talent on TV, you know, which I get that. I've been around for a very long time. I've been doing this for 16, 17 years at this point in time, and I love this business so much that I didn't mind. I was like, hey, let me go on a losing streak. Let me get super frustrated. Let me turn. I remember, okay, this is a great idea. We got A, B, C, D, E, F, and we're going to do our first feud with this person or this person, and then when the first match happens, I get taken off TV for four weeks. She got taken off TV for four weeks. They are like, don't worry, don't worry, we got this, we got this. Then all of a sudden, Triple H disappeared. And then I was supposed to do a match with Saray, and I ended up getting a rash on my arm, I had an allergic reaction to something, and they thought it was something else even worse. So they pulled me from that match. I remember that. So they pulled me from that match, and I was like, okay, cool, whatever, that's fine. All right, we're going to keep trucking along. They're like, hey, we'll do this match next week. And then another three weeks later, they're like, hey, we're going to do this match. Then that match gets pulled from TV, and then, you know, one of the head coaches goes, hey, will you do me a favor and work 205 Live with Cora Jade? We really like her. She's a super sweet girl. We really think that this could be a fun match if you were in the main event with her of 205. And I was like, okay, cool. That sounds great. I'm like never going to say no to having a match on TV regardless of where it's airing or whatever like that. And me and Cora go out there and we just have a fun banger of a match. And they go, you're turning in this match, but we want to make it subtle. So she had all these plans to turn heel. Triple H was on board with it. She told whoever she needed to tell some of the other higher-up creative writers. Everything was in place for her to turn heel. They take her off of TV. They don't even go and ask her what the fucking plan was before Triple H had left. What was Triple H doing with you? What was discussed with the writers before Triple H left? And yada, yada, yada. They didn't even have the fucking decency 
to consult her on what she was doing, being that one big catastrophic event that happened here, Triple H, who was the fucking mastermind behind all this, is somehow not there. And nobody has the decency to fucking ask this woman, what were you doing before Triple H had to take a leave of absence? So they're bullying her around, basically, mentally. Oh, yeah, we got this going on. We're going to take you off TV in four weeks. All right, we're going to bring you back. We're going to wrestle Saray. We're going to take you off TV for three weeks. Then she comes back. We're going to have you do 205 Live with Cora Jade. And we got to have you put her over. And then you're going to turn heel in this match suddenly. What, what are you talking about? You're going to have her subtly turn heel on a show that nobody, nobody watches. That's what you think of Athena. So you, you take this creative idea that this woman had, plans for, was excited for, because you automatically fucking ruined her and threw her to the side because she took Shotzi away from her and ruined all of the momentum that she had. Now she's trying to figure out, again, what to do next from square one all over again, being that you took Shotzi away from her. And you want her to turn heel, which was her next big idea for herself, to get herself back the momentum that she lost because of you fucking idiots. And you want her to turn heel subtly on 205 Live? How does that work? Nobody watches 205 Live. Who is going to see the fucking heel turn? Why would you put her on 205 Live to turn heel and then subtly do it on 205 Live, then put her back on TV where she's starting already the heel turn and she would already be in the midst of this heel turn? It would almost be like you would be bringing something to television that happened somewhere else that nobody would watch and nobody knew about it. The wheels will already be in motion if you bring her to TV and nobody knows where fucking the, the wheels got started with the heel turn. Oh, what happened on 205 Live? I don't think that's I don't think that's planning or good planning in my opinion. This woman is getting fucked over. So she wanted to have a great match, regardless of where it was airing on TV. They go and have this banger of a match, make it subtle. So they kind of turn me, but they don't. And then they were like, you know, there's a lot of confusion on, on what was supposed to happen. I don't know if I turned heel or not, you know. And then I was off TV for another three weeks. And I had the match with Mandy, and they're like, we're finally going to pull the trigger on this. So they wanted her to go heel with no explanation in a fucking match against Mandy, who's already playing a fucking heel. Doesn't make sense at all. So they want to pull the trigger on it with Mandy. And I get a note that week saying, hey, in two weeks, we need you to dye your hair the fire color again, and we need you to get the red contacts. You're going back to the old Ember Moon character. This is per Vince. This is per Vince. So if everybody that says Triple H is in charge or Shawn Michaels was in charge, Vince McMahon is directly giving orders to Ember Moon that he wants her to go back to the fire red hair and the contacts to go back and turn heel with the old Ember Moon character. No, but I thought Triple H was in charge, right? I thought Shawn Michaels was in charge, right? None of these men are in charge. Triple H is back. He's not in charge. Shawn Michaels was never in charge. She got this order directly from Vince McMahon. And you're going to turn heel, but you're going to turn heel as your old character. We're trying to get the old music back and all this stuff together. And I was like, great. This is great. So I go home, get my bottle of whiskey. I'm dyeing my hair. Yes, I dyed my hair extensions, that fire color. And it takes a minimum of eight hours. It is extremely tedious. And during COVID, my dye supplier actually shut down. So I'm having to find different colors and I'm spending a fortune on this hair 
And two weeks later, I show up to TV. I'm super motivated. I'm happy. And I'm like, okay, it's finally looking good for me. You know, just wait it out. Just wait it out. And I remember writer Ryan Katz and I filmed a demo and got the vibe that I wanted. And he's like, this is going to be awesome. I come back at the video ready. I'm ready to show everyone after TVs. And they go, hey, we've got some bad news. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? No, Vince is pulling you off TV indefinitely. And I just kind of sat there and I was just like, what did I do wrong? And this is where she starts to cry in the interview with Van Vliet. He's like, you did nothing wrong. And I was like, I have done everything that you guys have asked of me. And I just remember sitting there and I was like, I've done everything you guys have asked me to do. And I've done over and beyond. I branched out. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional about it, but I'm trying not to understand. I'm trying not to, but understand this is the dream job, especially as a wrestling fan, a lifelong wrestling fan. And when you care about something and you care about this business so much more, not just for yourself, but for everyone involved, it hurts so much more because for so many years, I've been not about myself, if that makes sense. I've been for the match, for the other people, and to be told that I've done nothing wrong and I was taken off TV for, for doing absolutely nothing wrong. It hurts so bad because I was so happy walking into work. And I remember when Shotzi left, I remember going to my makeup artist and saying, I'm so unhappy, I'm so unhappy. And we have to sit there through makeup and through these stupid meetings about how we would have to dress sexy. Sexy. And I remember looking at someone else like I catered to children. I'm not about to wear a fishnet booty butt cheek shorts because we had a two-hour meeting about how to dress like Mandy Rose. That's not fair. If you, guys any, if you guys need any more any more evidence about who's running the show here, it has nothing to do with Triple H and the team that he brought into NXT. That team is gone. That team is completely gone. Not everyone is going to be Mandy. Mandy is absolutely phenomenal and she's an amazing person, but not everyone is Mandy Rose. I started seeing this Downslope as soon as Hunter was gone. And like for the first little bit, we didn't know why he was gone. We just knew he wasn't there. I got so angry and I remember sitting there and I was like, I did nothing wrong. I didn't piss off Vince. Athena said that after she was taken off TV, she was asked to become a coach, but she refused to help people who don't care about what we do and who are, are and that are only there for the paycheck and that she would be flying home and she would only return if they had something for her creatively that she would need to approve. The worst part about this is that on some level I knew I was leaving. I'd already gone and bought an extra bag and kept it in the locker room so I could pack all my stuff and leave. It had been there for a month and I was like, I'm so unhappy, I'm so unhappy. Like I see where this is going between booty butt cheek shorts meeting and them telling girls to alter their gear to make it more revealing. And some people were very uncomfortable with that. And they were like, nope, this is all they want. You got to do it. It didn't matter how that person felt. And I was like, this isn't what I signed up for anymore. This isn't about the wrestling. This isn't about the art that we create in the ring. This is turning into everything that I left on Raw and SmackDown. You could see the pity parties starting to form in the locker rooms and the jealousy and the cattiness all coming back. Well, why is this person on TV and she can't do this and they can't do that? And I was just sitting there and I was like, I'm an adult. I can't deal with this high school bullshit anymore. And I'd like to be guys. It's okay. 
and I'd be the one on the locker room and be the locker room leader because if I didn't and I wasn't, I wouldn't go into this negative zone and no one would be able to have any type of positivity and everyone would hate the job that we all work so hard to be at. You guys have to listen to this interview. You guys have to listen. I didn't watch the interview. I listened to the interview. I was in Delaware with my parents. I listened to the interview on my way back to New York City. I felt the emotion in this woman's voice. You know, for everybody on social media that claims that Ember Moon was entitled and that Ember Moon is a bitch and she is crying and she's salty and all this other shit, I've heard... I've heard things from Ember Moon is petty. I've heard things from Ember Moon has no charisma and all this other nonsense. It's not about that. There are people on TV right now that should not be on TV because they have no fucking charisma. No charisma, no in-ring talents. It's, it's awful. Everything about WWE's women's wrestling is awful, and it should not be. There's not one redeeming quality about women's wrestling on main roster television or NXT television, for that matter, where it was the fucking best in all of the United States at one point. There's nothing about women's wrestling on WWE TV that has any redeeming qualities or anything going for it right now. Ronda Rousey is the most embarrassing female performer in all of WWE, along with Charlotte Flair. And Becky Lynch is a complete fucking disaster to a point where she's trying to model herself after her husband, and she's failing while doing so. I don't know whether I'm watching a, a professional wrestler that I once enjoyed watching or I'm watching the second coming of fucking Gollum from Lord of the Rings with Becky Lynch. Every aspect of WWE women's wrestling is fucking terrible. The tag team titles are the most useless fucking things in the history of WWE. The Raw Women's Championship is a fucking disgrace. The SmackDown Women's Championship is a fucking disgrace. And their treatment of women is a fucking disgrace. Look at what they've done to NXT. Look at what they've done to NXT. They fired many before this because of their age, because they're not attractive enough, because they're old, and it's going to continue to happen. Why do you think Nikita Lyons is on TV? Is Nikita Lyons on TV because of her fucking in-ring acumen? Is Nikita Lyons on TV because she's the next coming of fucking Sasha Banks and she's going to have a fucking barn burner of a match with uh, the next Bailey, whoever the fuck that is down there, and they're going to transcend women's wrestling forever? No, Nikita Lyons is on TV because of her Instagram following and because she shakes her ass in fucking IG stories and on TikTok. That's the reason why she's on TV. If you enjoy that, God bless you. God bless you. There's not one single male in this chat room that doesn't enjoy that. I get it. But is it drawing attention to the product in the way that they need as far as ratings are concerned? No, it's not. WWE is going very, very, very sexual with the direction in NXT. Is it getting them any more of an audience on Tuesday night? No, it's not. It's not working. So for all the people that want to say what Triple H was doing was bad, Triple H in the vision was actually working as far as building a respectable women's division. This shit, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. It ain't working. It ain't working. This woman was as big of a part of the women's revolution as anybody else that started it from day one. Sasha and Bailey lit the fire. Ember Moon was a part of that. No question asked. 
The matches she had in NXT were great. Her match at TakeOver Brooklyn with Asuka was one of the best women's matches in the history of world wrestling entertainment. How this woman was treated is a complete fucking embarrassment. A complete embarrassment. She went on to say, I gave WWE my complete right side. She hurt her shoulder. She fucking tore her Achilles. She tore her Achilles chasing a 24-7 championship belt, a comedy title. They needed her for something on the show, and they put her in that role. They gave her that for the night, and then she tore her Achilles. She was out for well over a year. WWE didn't even acknowledge Athena and the work that she did. They put her in that and they fucking embarrassed the shit out of her. She could have ended her fucking career. She was thinking at one point that that was it. She might not come back from this. She explained in this interview that at one point she was done. She wanted to quit pro wrestling. She wanted to give up. She did everything she needed to do in pro wrestling. Then she got brought down to NXT. That fire was lit again. She said that the, the WWE Crave was going to keep her down there for a year. And this was supposed to be a short-term basis. And they get called up to the main roster again and be brought back to the main roster. She wanted to quit pro wrestling. And then she wanted to quit all over again. She wanted to quit. She gained that fire and passion back. And then she has to deal with this. And she's going through it all over again. Ten times worse. John Laurinaitis is being blamed for all of the sexy talk. WWE even hired a fucking fashion coordinator to go over everybody's appearance. WWE brought in a fashion coordinator to go over everything as far as what they wanted the women to look like and what they wanted the women to dress as. I don't see how this is the biggest priority in WWE as far as women's wrestling and the women's revolution is concerned. John Laurinaitis is spearheading the women's division in WWE in all aspects. Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, and NXT. You know, I find it funny how people are blaming John Laurinaitis for this. John Laurinaitis has his ideas. John Laurinaitis has his fucking mouth running a mile a minute when it comes to what Vince McMahon needs, giving Vince McMahon his opinions. John Laurinaitis didn't make these decisions by himself. John Laurinaitis doesn't have the power to make these decisions by himself unless he runs it by Vince McMahon. He's got to go and scratch Vince McMahon's nutsack before he gets an answer on what to do next. And then Vince sends him to do Vince McMahon's dirty work. Bruce Pritchard is the same way. Bruce Pritchard may have a little bit more power over something like this than John Laurinaitis. Bruce Pritchard could probably make a decision like this on his own. But John Laurinaitis is not going to make a decision on this and what he wants the women to dress as and hire a fashion coordinator and and do all this other bullshit dressing sexy and you got to look like Mandy Rose. John Laurinaitis is not making that decision on his own. This is a Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard decision. John Laurinaitis is nothing more than a fucking puppet. Not going to sit here and blame John Laurinaitis. He's as guilty as everybody else because he's a fucking pervert and he's a fucking asshole. This is, this is the guy that is responsible for wanting Divas era wrestling back and nobody wants that again. Nobody. I don't give a shit if you got cock and balls between your legs, man. I'm not here to watch pro wrestling to, walk, to, to watch a fucking semi, semi-nude strip show on Monday night or Friday night or Tuesday night. 
I'm here to watch something like Sasha and Bailey and what they did at TakeOver Brooklyn. That was the whole vision. That was the whole mentality about the women's revolution. Ember Moon was a big part of that. It's It's funny. You know, WWE has someone like Sasha Banks, right? How many women, how many women out there were inspired by Sasha Banks and what she did with Bailey. Me and Big Hodge talked about this on that little that little series that we did, Critiques and Connoisseurs. We dedicated a whole episode to Sasha Banks while drinking Casa Dragones tequila because Mikaze has said his uh, you know he's the 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 husband of Sasha Banks that she loves a good tequila. She loves tequila. It's her favorite cold beverage. So we dedicated tequila and that episode to Sasha Banks. We went over how inspirational. She is. And how inspirational Bailey was and all the influence that that match is going to continue to garner. If you're a female in this business and you want to get into the business, you're going to use that as the blueprint for what you want to do. Just think about that. Think about that. That's fucking embarrassing. Listening to Ember Moon say what she said here and think about what Sasha and Bailey did as far as the influence that they had and continue to have and will forever have over a female perspective that wants to get into this business. You look at Sasha, you look at Becky, you look at Charlotte, right? I hate Charlotte next to Rhonda and, and beyond. I think she's fucking terrible. She's overrated, but I'm not going to take anything away from Charlotte Flair. She's influential as, as well. You know, they call her the greatest of all time. Not anywhere close to it, but she's a part of that group. Bailey's a part of that group. Bianca's a part of that group, right? She's the new, the new uh, gal in town is Bianca Belair. Asuka at one point was a part of the women's revolution. She mixed it up with Becky and Ronda in that first Ronda go around. You look at all of these women. And you're a young female aspiring to be in this business. That's what you're looking at. You're not looking at Mandy Rose. You're not looking at fucking Nikita Lyon shaking her ass scantily clad in the ring. You're not looking at Aaliyah wearing barely any fucking clothing on Friday night. You're not looking at these half-naked women on television aspiring to be them. WWE is run by 60 to 70-year-old fucking geezers, perverts, who want to think they know about what a female's perspective is and what the women's revolution needs. They're only feeding their own ego. They're only feeding their own desires. They want to see scantily clad women. Who's going to question when they are fucking hanging everything over your head? You either do it or you're done. You either do what we say or you're fired. They will keep you down until you give in to what they want you to do. I don't see anybody out there aspiring to be fucking scantily clad divas on WWE television. If you are, you're in the wrong fucking business. Not everybody's going to look like a Nikita Lyons and not everybody's going to look like a Mandy Rose. There's only a very, very, very small percentile that's going to make it on television. You can put anybody on television and fucking dress them like a fucking D-level stripper. It's not going to get you where you need to go. What's going to get you where you need to go is Triple H's vision about how to handle women's wrestling. Triple H gave single-handedly every woman that joined this company a fucking opportunity to a point where this man was absolutely critically praised for his leadership over women's wrestling. Triple H and Stephanie McMahon started the women's revolution. All it took was Paige 
All it took was Summer Rae. Remember Summer Rae? I don't, I'm not a big Summer Rae fan, but she was there. I got to give her her, her her just due. Tennille Dashwood, right? She was there as well. Sasha Banks, Bailey, and everybody else that followed. What are you people thinking? Go and watch the old NXT takeovers with a young Charlotte, a young Sasha, a young Becky, a young Bailey. Were they scantily clad? Were they half-naked fucking D-level stripper lookalikes on NXT television when NXT was a developmental? Or did they get over by in-ring aspect only? I don't see how this new vision is going to somehow lead the women's revolution into the next era. All you're doing is leading the next women's evolution into a fucking dumpster fire somewhere. You should be fucking ashamed at what you did to this woman. Fucking ashamed at what you did to this woman. This woman wanted nothing more than to be a part of the women's revolution and be a part of something great. She was a selfless individual that wanted nothing more than to be a flag bearer for the change in women's wrestling. What did you do? How did you reward her? You rewarded her by pulling her fucking leg every which way. You, you, you rewarded her by embarrassing her and you rewarded her by telling her and promising her shit that you never even had a fucking thought about delivering on. Now, now she's going to go out there and make some women's locker room and some other women's division incredibly lucky. You can keep the, oh, she doesn't have charisma or she doesn't have this or doesn't have that. You don't need to dress Ember Moon in scantily clad D-level stripper fucking like outfits. She's an attractive woman in her own right. Sasha Banks is one of the most beautiful women on the entire fucking planet. The fuck are you talking about? You can't do the in-ring thing and then have someone look like Sasha Banks happen and do the same thing at the same time? I mean, I don't, under- I don't understand this. The-, the company is heading in a terrible direction. On Tuesday night, Monday night, Friday night, with these people in charge. Bruce Pritchard indirectly has said women's wrestling doesn't draw. That's somebody that you want to take fucking ideas from? That's somebody that you want his vision to be the, the vision to the spearhead the, the, the women's revolution? Women's wrestling doesn't draw. So, so what are you doing with the women's division? You're going to make it your own little personal playground for eye candy. That's all they give a shit about. That's all they care about. They don't give a fuck about finding the next Sasha Banks. They don't give a shit about finding the next two women that are going to go in there and do Sasha Bailey take over Brooklyn all over again. They don't fucking give a shit. Ember Moon wanted that. Ember Moon wanted that. And the funny thing is WWE offered her five times the amount of money to stay. To stay with the company. To do what? You already embarrassed this woman tenfold and now you're offering her five times. Life-changing money, she said to Van Vliet. To stay. This is when everybody was defecting and leaving the company for one reason or another. They offered her five times the amount of money to stay with the company. Because they knew she was going to go somewhere else and take her services somewhere else. So if you knew she was going to go somewhere else and you offered her all that amount of money to keep her, why didn't you use her to begin with? Because if you're offering somebody that type of money, then you realize the talent and the value that they possess. So why didn't you push her the way that you were paying her or wanted to pay her? It's mind-boggling to me. You know what she said? She, she, she declined the money. Life-changing money. She said, no, I'm not taking the money. Money can only buy you so much happiness. How anybody 
can sit here and listen to this interview and say anything negative about this woman. You're a complete blithering fool. She gave up life-changing money to go and walk and leave and be proud about herself. Because the one thing that was most important to her was her body of work and what she valued as far as where women's wrestling should be. She feels women's wrestling should be about what she was bringing to the table and what Triple H was doing, not what John Laurinaitis wanted everybody to look like. They wanted everybody to look like Mandy Rose. You can't put a price on that. I don't understand how anybody could sit here and say that this woman is entitled, acted, acted entitled because she didn't get what she wanted and showed jealousy because she wasn't the one being pushed on TV. Do you see and hear what they've done to her? And it's going to continue to happen. The women's division on, on Tuesday night is right now your early glimpse about where the women's division is going to go on Monday and Friday. And let me tell you, it's not looking pretty. It is not looking pretty. Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Becky, when she was good, Bailey, Asuka, and everybody else that was a part of something beautiful has legitimately had everything that they brought to the table wasted away because of management like Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard, Kevin Dunn, John Laurinaitis, and all their mentalities and all their mindsets. They, these women, whatever they brought to the table and whatever they, they, they built is slowly being torn down one by one. What's going to happen when there's nothing left? You think Sasha Banks is going to look at this shit and take the fucking money knowing that she could do basically whatever the fuck she wants outside WWE? If WWE doesn't value the women's division and the women's revolution, why would the old guard want to stay with the company when WWE is doing everything actively possible to tear down what they built? So you're asking them to rebuild it all over again when what they built up was such a beautiful thing in the first place. Once again... It all cycles back to what Triple H did with that women's division and NXT. Everything that man did, everything that man did was fucking erased, including this. It is very difficult for me to sit here and say to you that Ember Moon also wasn't a casualty of the Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon demolition of NXT and erasing of Triple H's legacy. She was a big part of what Triple H did in NXT And unfortunately, she was just another casualty in the hurricane known as Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon. The women's division, you you guys need to to know this. It sucks. Women's wrestling right now in WWE is probably the worst in all of the United States. Every aspect of it is fucking terrible. This is not the way it should be going. Mandy Rose and Toxic Attraction, that's it. Subpar wrestling and fucking tits bouncing all over the place with fucking tight leather shorts is your vision of women's wrestling in WWE. Sorry to tell you. It's not what I want. It's not what I signed up for. I want to see Sasha and Bailey tear it down. That's what I want. I want memories. I want fucking, I want relevance. I want shit being important on my television screen. I want more than just two-minute women's matches. I want storylines that matter. I want women showing us that they can do it just as good as the men. Seriously. How can anybody sit there and accept that 
Mandy Rose and Toxic Attraction and Nikita Lyons is the fucking future of pro wrestling, women's pro wrestling in WWE. You're a fucking embarrassment. You're an embarrassment. I feel so bad for Ember Moon, and I'm glad she stuck to her values, stuck to her guns, and walked out. It takes a fucking strong person to do that, man, and she had every fucking right to feel the way that she did because everybody in charge of this fucking company should be absolutely fucking ashamed of themselves. What a disgrace. Moving on. Nia Jax. Listen to this. Nia Jax talked about the perverted ways of higher-ups. Lucky ones can use blackmail to keep their jobs. Oh, you didn't think I've seen this one, huh? This all ties into what Ember Moon said on Chris Van Vliet's podcast. Nia Jax sent out what she says is a random tweet about higher-ups. She did not mention anyone in WWE by name, but it appears that she's talking about certain people who hold power in the company. Nia Jax said, and I quote, It's a shame some people deserve to get the opportunity to shine like the star that they really are, but unfortunately certain higher-ups can never see past their own perverted ways. This is very damning just coming off an Ember Moon interview where she said everybody was told to dress like Mandy Rose per WWE management. Too bad they aren't the lucky ones who can use blackmail to keep their jobs. Random tweet. This week, Ember Moon talked about the women in the company being told to dress sexier and wear more revealing outfits like Mandy Rose. Moon said that last fall there was a two-hour meeting about the subject and Fightful reported that some women refused to attend this meeting. Moon said that some of the women at the meeting were uncomfortable with what was being suggested to them. Nia Jax did not make it clear if this was what she was talking about or if she was referencing the recent NXT releases or something else entirely. The fact that Ember Moon was on Chris Van Vliet's podcast and then I see this tweet, I'm sure that Nia Jax is talking about Ember Moon and her situation. Nia Jax went on to say, Very outspoken things about WWE ever since she's been released in November. In March, she stated that everyone in the company is miserable. She also tweeted, LOL, no thank you. I get calls on the daily on how everyone is miserable there. Nia Jax was also called to participate in the Women's Royal Rumble match in January, but she declined. I don't believe I'm going to say this, but I may be, I may be becoming slowly but surely a fan of Nia Jax. Holy shit, man. Some things sometimes just need to be said. Find it quite damning that Ember Moon put out that interview with Van Vliet and Nia Jax had that to say where she said, opportunity to shine like the star that they really are. Some people deserve it, but unfortunately higher-ups can never see past their own perverted ways. People power. They should be fucking ashamed of themselves, man. I don't know how, if you are a female wanting to break into this business, even if you are a female there, you know, kind of hiding and tucking your tail between your legs, listening to this shit, and then doing what they say, man. No self-respect for yourself. No self-respect for yourself. What's greater, the self-respect that you have that nobody could put a price on or the fucking paycheck that they're paying you? What a disgrace. Becky Lynch. Let's talk about Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch knocks the AEW's women's division. They're not as good as we are. We are on another level. 
another level of pervertedness, maybe, but this was quite awful that Ember Moon's interview came out in light of Becky Lynch's comments. Becky Lynch spoke to Drew Garabo, live, featured cut of the day. Lynch asked, or was asked, whether she pays attention to AEW's women's division or women's wrestling in general outside of WWE. She says, and I quote, I mean, well, I wish I could say yes, but unfortunately, I don't think that they are represented the way that we are. They don't get as much time as we get. Becky Lynch says that the AW Women's Division doesn't get as much time as they get. SmackDown had two matches on Friday night that didn't go past two minutes. Two minutes on SmackDown. Shotzi lost to Ronda Rousey in about a minute 20. And then Charlotte could not beat Aaliyah in the allotted time. And then Naomi wrestled Shayna Baszler, and that match, that match went barely two minutes. Might I add that, the, that, that Becky Lynch might have maybe missed all of the Queen of the Ring tournament or the Queen's Crown tournament where the first two rounds did not eclipse more than six minutes of in-ring time and that Doe Drop and Zelina Vega in the finals, they barely went five minutes. An entire women's tournament barely going 12 minutes. Oh, but they get more TV time than, uh, than AEW, right? And quite frankly, they're not as good as we are. Half of the women coming up through developmental don't even belong on television. You fired all of your good hands, and the only ones that you're left with are Bianca, yourself, Charlotte, Sasha, Naomi, and now a returning Oscar. It's not really what I would call a division. You're really pigeonholing yourself into a group of individuals that I really can't call a division because the overall health of the WWE women's division is fucking terrible. Rhea Ripley is complete dog shit. Liv Morgan is a fucking jobber in WWE's eyes. I don't know how. She's blonde. She wears scantily clad clothing. Why isn't she pushed on television? Becky Lynch is a complete nimrod. We have certainly on Raw have the best women's division in the world. Now I know she's completely full of shit. In the world. I say that without any hesitation in my voice. We have the best women's division in the world. Competition is great. And it's great for there to be another place. I have good friends there. Ruby Soho over there. That I would love to see her be champion one day. I would love to see her get the spotlight she deserves. Competition is always great. Over here, we're on another level right now. No, you're not on another level. AEW's got their own fucking problems, and so does WWE. Let's not try to hide and, and fucking bullshit the fact that WWE doesn't have their own fucking problems as documented by Nia Jax, as documented by Ember Moon. Give me a break. WWE's women's division is fucking downright dog shit. No need for two titles. No need for tag team titles. You see what the management thinks of women's wrestling. You think of... The women that are on the show, you see what the management thinks of the ladies on the show every which way, whether you're developmental or you're at the top. Becky Lynch is fucking lunatic. She's a lunatic. I, I don't understand how this, this, this promo, this, this, this interview made it to, to, to public light. Seriously. Oh, but she was asked the question, J.D. Don't answer the fucking question. Move on to the next question. Yeah, I have Ruby. I have friends like Ruby Soho over there. I think they're doing a great job. It's great that we have other alternatives. Keep it at that. Now, but you got to go a step further and mention AEW in your fucking response. 
All you had to do was say, move on to the next question. I'm not here to talk about somebody else's product. I'm here to talk about Becky Lynch. I'm here to talk about why I'm the Raw Women's Champion. Or was the Raw Women's Champion. I, I don't understand that logic. Seth Rollins said the same thing. Every time AEW is mentioned on, on uh, or WWE is mentioned on AEW programming, it, it's, it's uh, something that reeks of desperation. So he was asked the question as well, but he, he went on to, to add all that, right? Becky Lynch was asked the question. She had to dive into all this other bullshit that didn't really need to be talked about. Don't answer the fucking question. Don't engage in the question. Becky Lynch is an idiot. She didn't have to answer anything. Out of Becky Lynch, uh, let, let's hold on. Let me let me get the music going here. Had a Becky Lynch fan reach out to me, and let me bring up the email that I have here. If I can find the email, uh, there you go. Now, I don't know if you, if anybody in the chat here, I don't know if you guys are sleuths. I need somebody to go and see where this person resides and who this person is, man. Lena D. Or email right there. I don't, I'm blasting it all over the fucking internet, man. Uh, D. Lena or D. Lena 177 at gmail.com. Becky Lynch fanatic, man. Loves the show. Loves the show. They say, and I quote, hi, nice to see you're the same old sorry piece of shit that you've always been, and that's all you will ever be, exclamation point. I guess some things don't change. I thought you'd learn from the Alexa Bliss incident, but clearly not since. Now your target is Becky Lynch. Not liking a wrestler and their booking character doesn't excuse you slandering and disparaging them as a person, bringing up their personal lives, relationships, and families, and other things about them that have nothing to do with their booking or character. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Have I ever, 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 ever said anything personal about Becky Lynch? The answer is no. Haven't said anything personal about Becky Lynch ever. It's the fucking people out there that hate me, that don't understand that everything I complain about is about the on-screen character and the on-screen creative. Holy shit. Fucking people are so fucking stupid, man. She's not a greedy bitch or a selfish person. Yes, she is. Look at how she's handling herself on TV. She don't care about the women's division. Becky Lynch doesn't care about the women's division. You think Becky Lynch cares about the women's division? Give me a break. And she said absolutely nothing wrong regarding the AW women's division. She gave an honest answer that was an interviewer who asked her. And she did so respectfully and professionally. She wasn't rude or disrespectful about it like others have been when it comes to the WWE versus AWBS. She's a great person who is universally liked by fans and the locker room and earned all her accomplishments. And she still continues to be the best at what she does. The same can't be said about you. 
I can't wait for the day her and Seth stumble across your bullshit and drag your ass to filth like the WWE roster did with the Alexa Bliss incident. But on the other hand, I'm glad they ignore your bullshit because they're better than that and I doubt they would take anything you say serious anyway. The fact that you're still so triggered over what happened at SummerSlam and what Becky said about AEW Women's Division and have the nerve to say that she did nothing for Bianca Belair when the whole purpose of what happened at SummerSlam was to benefit Bianca and is currently a Raw Women's Champion shows just what a fucking moron you truly are. I just feel secondhand embarrassment for you, really. It's also hilarious that you think anything you say and do and the way you act is something to be proud of and that you're speaking the truth and facts. You aren't giving an opinion or speaking facts and the truth. You're acting like an asshole and being the sorry piece of shit you've always been because that's all you know how to do. That's what you do best. Get the fuck over yourself and grow up already, seriously. You're a fucking 40-year-old grown-ass man-child who still doesn't even know the difference between a fictional character and a real-life person or fact and opinion for fuck's sake. Yet you expect people to take anything you say as face value or as truth and fact when you're too stupid to even know what the concept of what that is. You should take several pages from the Solomon Monsters podcast. He does his job a hell of a lot better than you. Unlike you, he knows how to give constructive criticism on the product and doesn't get so triggered or feel the need to attack wrestlers personally or slander them relentlessly. Because again, unlike you, he knows the difference between bad booking and fictional characters and real life people. And he can tell the difference between a fact and an opinion and doesn't feel the need to attack fans of certain wrestlers. You wish you were him and that you could be even a little bit as good as he is, but you'll never be. It's such a shame your parents have such a piece of shit excuse of a son and failed miserably at raising you on how to be a decent human being and didn't teach you manners or respect and that if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it. How's that for the truth you preach about so much? Smiley face emoji. As a matter of fact, send me their contact info so I can tell them that exactly. Hey, I'm only doing what you like to do to other people and wrestlers. You like to make things personal. Bring up other people's personal lives, families, relationships, and whatnot. We'll expect the same thing to be done back to you. How you treat people is how you're going to get it back. And we all know you're the type of guy who can dish it but can't take it. You'll just whine and cry like a little crybaby bitch that you are and play victim and try to get sympathy. Oh, and lie about your family being threatened again. Crying emoji, what a joke. It's such a pity you take wrestling so serious and think it's that deep and let yourself get so triggered by it. No one is forcing you to watch and no one forced you to start a YouTube channel about it. Ladies and gentlemen, I need I need some sleuth detective work out there, man. Find me dlena177 at gmail.com, man. Who the fuck is this person? Who is it, man? Where are they from? What basement are they dwelling in? What fucking uh, police record they have? How many fucking murders they've committed? Holy shit. So let me know what's going on with that, guys. That's what I got. That's what I got.
That's what I got here right on off the script, man. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. God, man, I'm hydrated. I feel good. I feel hydrated, man. My fucking drink was empty, man. It's already filled up, man. With all the tears in that fucking email, man. Holy shit. Oh, man. Hydration is key. You like this music, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I feel like I'm in a... I mean, I feel like I'm in some cocktail lounge. Because uh, I'm cocktail lounge, man. Oh. Awesome. Hope you guys enjoyed that, man. Seriously. My burner account is now exposed, says Jesse. Give me a break. Come on. I'm moving on with the rest of the show, man. Let's see what we got going on here. Brett Hart. Brett Hart. Hart. Brett Hart. Brett Hart signed the merchandising contract with WWE. A lot of people in AEW said he was... Not going to be able to appear on their television show because of a Legends deal that he supposedly signed. Bret Hart has signed a deal with WWE, but is only doing merchandising deals with them as of right now. It is nothing more than a merchandising contract. As previously reported last week, the belief amongst people in WWE, or AEW rather, is that WWE has quietly signed Bret Hart to a lucrative deal uh, as far as a Legends contract is concerned. AEW believed that he couldn't appear for them, which explains why Hart is managing FTR at the upcoming big-time wrestling in the event instead of in AEW. On the Wrestling Observer Radio last Sunday, Dave Meltzer noted that Hart was under a Legends deal and merchandising deal in WWE. However, Meltzer reported in the latest edition of The Observer that Bret Hart said that his only deal with WWE is a merchandising deal and not anything else. Meltzer noted that it's not clear whether Hart could legally appear on AEW's broadcast or not. Hart previously told Meltzer that he was never asked to be a part of the presentation for the Owen Hart Cup Finals in Las Vegas at Double or Nothing. Dr. Martha Hart is likely to be at the show for the tournament, honoring her late husband and working with the promotion through her own Owen Hart Foundation. Hart has only made one AEW appearance since the promotion launched a few years ago, which was at Double or Nothing in 2019, where he unveiled the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. I'd love to see Bret Hart at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. And like I said, now that this new information has come to light, we maybe could see Bret Hart there, but more than likely not. I, I said it when I talked about this the first time. Bret Hart's not going to be in AEW, and AEW has not called him or asked him to be a part of this show in Las Vegas because of respect for Martha Hart. There, there's been a falling out there with Martha and Bret. And that may be the holdup as far as that is concerned. So, you know, it, 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 it would be easy from a fan's perspective to see, well, why don't Brett, why don't Brett do something along the lines of presenting the, men, the men's cup finals and, and Martha could do the women's cup finals? I don't know. I don't really know. So we'll see what happens. But I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him on AEW television. I think it would be great. And I, I wish something like this would bring unity where unity has not been present as far as honoring Owen Hart. But we'll see, man. It, it, it's, all, it's all political. It's all bullshit. Family-related garbage that, you know, I don't really care to dive into and really know about. But as long as we, the fans, are honoring Owen, I think the strength of everything that's going on here is going to be more than enough to carry us through double or nothing. So I'm very excited about it, and I think these tournaments, both the men and women's tournament, is going to be phenomenal. Vince McMahon 
This is a Ringside News exclusive. They've gotten a lot of exclusives. Damn near correct, man. So don't shit on Ringside News. Vince McMahon, according to Ringside News, is very unhappy with WWE programming. Ringside News was told that Vince McMahon is always unhappy and looking to improve things. The idea is that he is just now looking to turn a few more people is absurd. In fact, it was noted and quoted to us that the previous report is clickbait and fake news. Now, it was previously reported that Vince McMahon feels that several members of the roster are miscast and he plans on switching some people as soon uh, as he can from heel to babyface and vice versa. It turns out this, that this is always a topic of discussion. But Ringside News, according to their source, is saying that Vince McMahon is always unhappy and is looking to always improve things. So there's always a discussion to turn someone or switch a title or bring someone in. This wrestling news is bullshit and it makes it seem like there's an edict from Vince, a new direction of multiple turns. This is not true, according to Ringside News and their source. Is Vince McMahon always unhappy with the product? I don't know. It doesn't come off that way. I know I'm always unhappy with the fucking product because the product fucking sucks. And the fans are generally upset about the product, and they think it sucks. But if Vince McMahon is always unhappy, I'm certainly not seeing it. They probably think they're producing some of the best television shows that they've ever produced on Monday and Friday night. I don't see it. You guys don't see it. Whatever the case may be, Vince is always going to be Vince, and Vince is always going to do what's best for Vince and not what is best for the fans. Who gives a shit? The, 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 the whole show, Monday and Friday, they need more than just, oh, let's turn this person babyface. Let's turn this person heel. Let's turn this person back to a heel. Let's turn this person into a babyface. It needs more than that. I don't even think the fans care who's a heel or a babyface. We just want fucking compelling television that makes logical sense on a week-to-week basis. We want consistency. We want consistency. Monday Night Raw. Bianca Belair and Sony Deville. Raw Women's Championship. This was a complete waste of time. Bianca Belair beat Sony Deville, Carmella, and Zelina Vega all in the same night. From what we saw, it looks like they ended it right then and there. Sony Deville continues to abuse her power. I don't know how WWE higher-ups are allowing her to book title matches and then abuse her power as a management official. None of it makes sense. They did this on Monday. I don't know where they go with this into the pay-per-view. It looks like this is a blow-off. So I don't know if Bianca Belair even has a set opponent for WrestleMania Backlash. We could see Bayley make her debut on Monday Night Raw. I don't know. I don't know. Or Sonya Deville could get one last opportunity, but this time if she fails to win, she gets her executive power stripped from WWE. That's what I think the likely situation is there, but keep an eye on that Bailey situation, man. I've been praising Bailey for her work as a heel, and I do think that she should come back as a heel, and I think she would fit very well on Monday Night Raw. I think Bailey on Raw, I've been talking about this for months now. If there's one show that could use Bailey, it's Monday Night Raw. Bobby Lashley and Omos had an arm wrestling contest. Boring. Bobby Lashley beat Omos here. I'm surprised there was no fuckery in the middle of it. To a point where we didn't get the arm wrestling contest, but we got it. Randy Orton was honored with a 20th anniversary celebration. It reunited him with Cody Rhodes, which was pretty nice to see. Becky Lynch continued to channel her inner Lord of the Rings with one of the worst women's promos I've ever seen. Mustafa Ali beat The Miz. Cody Rhodes, RK-Bro, and Ezekiel defeated The Usos, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins in a fun eight-man tag. Asuka returned to confront Becky Lynch and Damian Priest. 
buried Finn Balor on Monday Night Raw. Raw, the lowest rating of the entire year. Oh, but it's the NBA playoffs, says the fucking neckbeard geek online. I'm not using something that happens every fucking year as an excuse. Go look at the Monday Night Raw ratings from last year during the NBA playoffs and the year before that and the year before that. What are the ratings for Monday Night Raw over those years? Compare them to this year. Where did all those people go? They're not watching the show. Why aren't they watching the show? Because the show sucks. That's why. Even though Monday Night Raw wasn't all that bad, and by default, Monday Night Raw is the best, I don't believe I'm saying this, the best WWE show all week. SmackDown is horrendous, and NXT, forget about it, man. It's not even worth anybody's fucking time. 1.613 million viewers. Last week was 1.647. The 18 to 49 demo was a 0.44. That was down from the 0.7 the show did last week. Number four in the rankings last week was number three in the cable top 150. This is the lowest total viewership and key demo since January 17. Oh, oh my God. I'm so heartbroken, Bruce. Oh my God, man. What are you doing? Write a better show. Mustafa Ali. Original plans for Ali on Monday Night Raw, according to Fightful Select and Sean Ross Sapp. The plans call for Ali to lose his match against The Miz as of Sunday afternoon, despite the plan finished changing, everything else played out as originally planned. As of last week, Creative came up with the ideas to bring Ali back to television. Ali was scheduled to be at the Raw taping and meet with Johnny Ace. People power! After publicly requesting his release in January. Per Fightful Select, Ali's contract is up mid-2024. WWE does have the contractual ability to freeze his deal due to inactivity, but they haven't done so as of yet. There's still a possibility that the company could freeze his deal due to his time off, but there's been no indication that they will do so. You know, a lot of people said, oh yeah, WWE's got plans, plans for Ali. No, they don't. The only plan for Ali is to bury Ali while he's on TV. Somebody thought, well, we got this guy sitting at home. Let's bribe him to come back. We'll taunt him and tease him with a United States championship match against Austin Theory. Make him feel somewhat important. Bring him on back. Then we'll throw it in his face that he wanted to take his ball home, take his ball and go home and leave WWE, that he's not cut out for WWE. We'll embarrass him verbally. We'll embarrass him in the ring. And then we'll just kill his mystique on television for the next year and a half, two years. And we'll just bury him. Instead of just paying him to sit home, we'll just bring him to TV and we'll just bury him on TV. There is no plan for Ali. If you think there is a plan for Ali past this, you are a fucking fool. There is no plan for Mustafa Ali at all. And there never will be. MVP. MVP said this. If you compare the not-so-great Kali to Omas, you are an idiot. These words were spoken verbally, whether they are in character or they are legit shoot. These words, regardless of that, have been spoken. MVP said this on Twitter. There have been comparisons, as you guys know, between Omas and the great Kali due to their height. MVP recently took to Twitter and blasted fans for comparing the two stars. He says, and I quote, if you compare the not-so-great Kali to the Colossus, the giant, oh my, <laughs> oh my, 
You're an idiot of the highest order. I've been in the ring with both of them. I'm an expert in this craft. Clearly, you're not. Kali was awful. Omos has huge potential. Watch how I move. Yeah, I want to watch how Omos moves right to the unemployment line. Omos has already hit his ceiling. He's been taken off his feet, and he lost to Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. The guy's dead. The guy's done. There's nothing more for him to do on WWE television. He's not a world championship caliber athlete. Nobody wants to see him lead a show. Nobody wants to see him win a title. Nobody wants to see him feud with anybody. Bobby Lashley's going to have his fucking plate full at Backlash. He's got to do this all over again after he thought it was one and done at WrestleMania. I don't know. I don't know. They're both one and the same. Kali, Omas. I can't tell which one is worse. At least Omas can move a little bit better than the great Kali. But yes, they are one and the same. They are absolutely one and the same. Omas doesn't have huge potential. The only potential I see in Omas is his theme music. That's it. His theme music is the best thing about the entire act. And MVP is doomed to fail with Omas in his corner. Never going to work out. As you guys know, Lashley and Omos did the arm wrestling challenge on Monday's Raw, and they will meet in the WrestleMania Backlash rematch on Sunday. Oh, joy, oh, joy. I can't wait to see that fucking grade A classic happen. Oh, my God, man. Let me get my fucking cold beverages and popcorn all ready to go. Said nobody ever. NXT. NXT was awful. Put the lotion in the baskets, Von Wagner. He beat Tony D'Angelo over here. Von Wagner beat Tony D'Angelo, Nikita Lyons versus Lash Legend. Rather not talk about it. Awful. Lyons got the victory. Set up a tag team match with Cora Jade and Lyons versus Lash Legend and Natalya. I can't wait, man. That sounds like such a fucking great match. I can't wait for Tuesday. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's so, so excited. Solo Sokoa beat Trick Williams, and Legado del Fantasma defeated uh, Josh Briggs, Brooks Jensen, and Fallon Henley. Oh, man. Wow, what a show, man. I can't, I can't imagine why people aren't watching NXT anymore. The ratings, more of the same, more of the same. 577,000 live viewers. That's actually up from last week's 569,000 live viewers. 0.14 in the 18-49 to 49 demo. That was up from the 0.12. It ranked number 32 in the cable top 150 for the night. Show sucks. NXT 2.0 is fucking dreadful. Did you guys know that WWE is talking about moving NXT back into Full Sail University? Really? Now? Wow! NXT back at Full Sail University, man. How else can we fucking kill Triple H's vision, man? How can we embarrass Triple H's black and gold, man, by bringing it back to the place in which it was born? Full Sail University, man. NXT's been enjoying its new home, the Performance Center, which I think that they call the Capital Wrestling Center, or I think they, they even took that away because Triple H named that the Performance Center, the NXT Arena, whatever the fuck you want to call it, since TakeOver 31. And before all this, the show was taped at Full Sail University in Orlando, Florida. I had the honor and pleasure of being there. I actually went down there, met a couple of you guys down there. I had a great time. I met Mauro Ranallo when I was down there. Thanks to my boy Kedrick, who was down there, went to the show with me. Many of you missed the, the Full Sail days. I do. And NXT had its greatest level of success inside Full Sail University. WWE also did spend quite a bit of money building a small arena in the 
WWE Performance Center to help simulate the feel of a larger arena despite it being a small venue. Tons of thought went into the elaborate stage and lighting setup since the launch of NXT 2.0. The building has been synonymous with the NXT brand. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer noted that there is at least some discussion about a return to Full Sail University. No other details were given. WWE is at least talking about it, though. Meltzer says, and I quote, there are at least talks of NXT returning to Full Sail University. Why? Why Why now do we need to move? If it's just a thought, keep it that way. But why would you even think about moving NXT back to Full Sail University? I've said it for weeks now. The crowd that you see at the Capitol Wrestling Center, the NXT Arena, the WWE Performance Center, they are not the same rabid fans that were inside Full Sail University. It is a completely different audience. How do I know? How do you know, JD? I know. You ain't going to get one over on me. I never missed one episode of NXT Black and Gold. I watch it religiously every hour, every, every Wednesday at that one hour on the WWE Network. I watched it every single week when they moved it to live when they shouldn't have at two hours. You know and see the difference when you watch something for so long and then you get it taken away from you and put into a WWE performance center like NXT 2.0 is. It's not the same crowd. It's not the same crowd. If you move this product back into full sale, it will die. It will die a thousand and one deaths. I don't know how many deaths NXT can really withstand right now in its current state. They don't need full sale. The venue where they take the show and move the show and book the show, the, the building in which the show takes place in, I don't know how to put this in the most simplest fucking geek-like way. It's not the fucking building. It never was the building. It's not the Performance Center, and it's not Full Sail University. It's the fucking people running the show. It's the fucking mentality of the people running the show. The laziness, the lackadaisicalness, the fucking carelessness, the lifeless fucking direction that these people have for the show. It's not the building. It's the fucking people running the show that's taking place in the building that it's taking place in. You don't need this show back at Full sale. If Triple H was in charge and this was black and gold, I'd say yes, thank you. You want Fruit Loops, Fruity Pebbles fucking version of NXT back at Full sale? Yeah, I can't wait to see the black and gold changed to fucking, oh my God, Lucky Charms over the rainbow, matey. Wearing me Lucky Charms. Yeah, I can't wait to see Full Sail decked out in fucking colors. Give me a fucking break. Fuck out of here. Why don't you just keep it where it is? That building is synonymous with NXT. The building that is Full Sail is synonymous with black and gold. Yes, however way you want to go and do NXT, by all means, go and do it. But you ain't getting one over on me, man. You ain't getting one over on me. The internal discussion is about, yeah, returning NXT to full sale. But what that really means is internal discussion on how we can piss on Triple H's grave more so. That's the fucking discussion. Give me a break. SmackDown. Drew McIntyre defeated Sami Zayn in a steel cage match. Waste of my time for four weeks. Charlotte Flair did not beat Aaliyah in the beat the clock challenge. Ronda Rousey beat Shotzi Blackheart. Both of these matches barely eclipsed three minutes. Ricochet defeated Shanky. 
and Naomi beat Shayna Baszler. Wow, what a what a enthralling edition of SmackDown, man. Holy shit. SmackDown itself drew the lowest rating since before the return of touring. Oh, I mean, I can't tell why. I wonder why. Did you see the fucking show? 1.952 million viewers on Fox. That's down from 2.142 million a week ago. 18 to 49 demo. The show did a 0.47. That's down from a 0.48. This is the lowest key demo and total viewership that SmackDown has drawn since July 2nd. And that was a show that took place inside the Thunderdome. The NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC dominated the evening. I'm not using that as an excuse. By all means, if you want to use that as an excuse, by all means, use it. I'll just sit here and call you a fucking idiot. It's not the NBA playoffs. It's the show that WWE puts on, and it sucks. It sucks, it sucks, it sucks. Dynamite, April 27th. Sammy Guevara loses the TNT title to Scorpio Sky in one of the worst TNT title reigns held by somebody with Scorpio Sky. He's now a two-time TNT champion, Sammy Guevara. I got news on him. He did injure himself in that match like a fucking fool. Wardlow beat Lance Archer. MJF is teasing W. Morrissey from Impact Wrestling. See this narrative going around on social media by all these fucking neckbeard fucking slobs who have never tasted the fucking, the, the, the fucking... The, the fine the fine fucking feeling of feeling just anything woman-related, right? They've never seen a pair of tits in their entire life. They've never touched or squeezed fucking ass before. Th- these people are sickening, man. I don't even, ima- even want to imagine what they, what they look like no, or, what they, or what they go through in everyday life, man. They probably smell and reek to the high heavens, these fucking people. I've been seeing this narrative that, oh, oh JD's now a fan of Big Cass, and they're pulling up old tweets of, me saying Big Cass four years ago was awful, which he was. He was in a downward trend in his career. He was going through abuse problems and personal demons. He got broken away from Enzo Amore. That uh, was a complete, it ruined his career pretty much in WWE. They forced upon him a singles run that never was going to work out in that time. He was bland as bland could be. Enzo Amore and Big Cass were never supposed to be broken up, ever. Ever. So he leaves. He battles his demons. He gets back. He gets work with Impact. Four years later, he looks great. I've heard nothing but fucking blushing things about W. Marcy. So why wouldn't I want to see him back on a major stage in a major storyline on national television succeeding? I mean, are you fucking people that heartless? Go and touch some fucking grass, man. It makes you feel good, really. Feel the rays of sunshine on the back of that hairy fucking neck that you refuse to shave. It feels great. It feels great. Yes, I'm a W. Morrissey fan. Just because of the fucking person that he's become following his downfall and the demons that he had to battle in his personal life. Yes, I am a fan. So they're teasing him and Wardlow, man. Should be great. Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida in a Philadelphia street fight. That was a fun match. They're teasing Deeb versus Thunder Rosa at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view, and that is the match that should be. The Undisputed Elite beat the Varsity Blondes, Dante Martin, Brock Anderson, and my boy Big Shotty, Lee Johnson, and John Moxley, Brian Danison, and Wheeler Yuta. The Blackpool Combat Club defeated Aaron Solo, QT Marshall, and Nick Comorado. Dynamite, they drew a, a decent rating on Wednesday night. Also, also down... 
down in the ratings. Again, I'm not using the NBA playoffs as a fucking excuse. The NBA playoffs happened last year as well. But Dynamite drew 921,000 live viewers. That is down from 930,000 live viewers. The show did last week. 18 to 49 demo did a 0.33 rating. That's down from a 0.37. Dynamite continues to face competition from the NBA playoffs just like everybody else. Last week was the total lowest viewership since February. And that is the lowest key demo as well. Dynamite ranked number four in the cable top 150 for the show uh, on the night for Wednesday last week. Uh, It will be back up. I'm not worried about it. TNT is very pleased. TBS is very pleased with what is going on with AEW. They're not going anywhere. So you can end the narrative about, oh, TBS is going to drop them. Or Time Warner is going to drop them due to the merger with Discovery. Not going to happen. Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara was injured in a ladder match on Dynamite. This was a spot where he did a Phoenix splash off the ladder like a fucking maniac. Per Dave Meltzer in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer, Guevara hurt his neck, shoulders him back after taking a, a rough bump in a match. The spot in question is believed to be when Guevara attempted a, uh, I think it was, a, what is it, a Phoenix splash or a 630, one or the other. Some depth-defying move, body block off the top of the ladder in the beginning of the match, but missed Scorpio Sky completely. Guevara has said that he is okay, but stated that he did hurt his neck and back. He was in a match on Saturday night at Triple Mania, 30. And he and Tay Conti won the Mixed Tag Team Championships against uh, Latigo and Maravilla and Octagon Jr. and Sexy Star 2 in a three-way tag team match. He and Tay Conti now are the Triple Mania Mixed Tag Team Champions. Triple A Mixed Tag Team Champions. So, uh, from what I saw, he did not even wrestle in the match. He came out using crutches. He was out there using crutches. Uh, Scorpio, or not Scorpio Sky. Uh, Scorpio Sky is a TNT champion, but he went right back to winning another championship title, did Sammy Guevara, by basically doing nothing and having his girlfriend do all the work. So, I don't know what it was, if he's legitimately injured, or if AEW gave him the clearance to go there and really not do much of anything and be careful. I don't know. They, They allowed him to go. But clearly, he's still injured from the spot that he did in the ladder match with Scorpio Sky. I don't understand it. You know, I, I don't really understand the, 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 the logic in, in Sammy Guevara. I love Sammy Guevara. Do not get me wrong. But as a fan, I also am concerned about the health and well-being of these athletes. The match went 9, 10 minutes on Wednesday night. He's out there doing 630s, Phoenix splashes, cutters off the top of the ladder. I mean, why? Why? And he missed the fucking spot. He missed this 6.30. It added nothing to the match. They no so He got up and he, he didn't really no-sell it, but he got up and he was doing some other fucking crazy shit later in the match. I mean, if you're going to do something like that, I mean, you should fucking hit the goddamn move instead of missing it completely and then have the commentary team sell it for you as if, oh, he's just a fucking crazy lunatic. And it's a ladder match. Anything can go wrong in a ladder match. If you're going to execute a move like that, you're going to have to fucking nail the move and hit the move. Otherwise, why the fuck are you doing it? So stupid. You know, he's going to end his career one way or another. One of these days, we're going to be looking at Sammy Guevara with a broken fucking neck in the middle of the ring. And then we're going to say, well, we told you so. He needs to slow it down. I get that. He's crazy. He does the thing. Yeah, I'm crazy. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm going to do it anyway. Slow it down. I'd rather you be in the ring for another 15 years instead of ending your career in the next two. AEW had a scrap a major angle with CM Punk. 
and Adam Page because of COVID protocol. Meltzer originally reported this with uh, Hangman Page that he was out with COVID. So he missed Wednesday's show because COVID is one of those things that everybody's going to have to deal with. He unfortunately got it. He's the world champion. Major plans there for CM Punk and Page. And he had to miss the show. There had to be rewrites. Major rewrites for the show. Meltzer now added further details as to exactly what was going on with all of this with Punk and Page. He says this and I quote, Adam Page and his family are okay. He's pretty much at a point where he is okay and he expects to be on TV next week. They had to rewrite some of the TV. Our Rampage had to be rewritten more than Dynamite, but Dynamite had to be rewritten and a few things were changed. Some things, orders were changed. Obviously, there was going to be a big, a big angle with Punk and Page that would lead to the announcement of the match, and instead they just announced the match as the main event for Double or Nothing. So whatever that was probably will take place next week if he's able to be there next week, which, as I said, he believes he will be there next week. He should. Hopefully Adam Page is feeling a lot better. That's the one thing that we all care about. He's the world champion, and hopefully he makes his return on Dynamite on Wednesday. Punk, he did cut a promo about... You know, the title match that is confirmed now, Page versus Punk for the World Championship. I've been pitching this. Jesse's been pitching this as well. Um, We talked about this on Wednesday's show for several weeks. Punk beating Page for the World Championship is the right mentality. It is the right creative move because at the end of all of this, Punk is going to bring major eyeballs to the AW product as world champion, his first world title in seven years, and... MJF beating CM Punk for that championship is just the right way to go about it. That is the right move to make. So if they go and do that, I think that's the best story that they could tell. Now, this is also going to play into what Punk does at the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. I've heard different things. We've pitched different things, Jesse and I. We talked about all this on Wednesday. If you guys want to go and watch that show, we talked about all this. Does Punk win the world championship at double or nothing? And then go into Forbidden Door in June. If he does, who does he wrestle? There are opponents for him. There are likely scenarios that you could put Punk in, right? You could do you could do Punk versus Kenta. You could do Punk versus Okada. I don't know how you do that if they're both world champions. You could do a tag team match of sorts. You could do Punk and Brian against Tanahashi or, or even do Punk and Moxley versus Tanahashi and Okada. Or something along the lines of that. Tag team match. Tag team match is always a great way to get yourself out of a situation. There are ways to go about it. We'll see what Tony Khan does and how Tony Khan works it. Or does he win the title in Chicago at All Out? I don't know. I think CM Punk wins the title at double or nothing. I think that's the right way to go about it. I think CM Punk winning the world title and going into All Out in Chicago as world champion is what you want. So we'll see what happens. We don't know if MJF is even going to factor into a world championship this year. I do think that's the story to be told. The third and final match, him beating Punk, is the best way to get MJF as your next AEW world champion. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, what if MJF beats Adam Page? No. No. I don't want to see that happen at all. I think Punk and MJF is the story to tell, and that's what you go and do. That's the best creative move to make. The Warner Discovery merger could affect AEW television deals This is according to a couple people talking about this, and Meltzer even talked about this in the latest Wrestling Observer Radio. There's been a lot of chatter about the recent Warner Discovery merger and how it could affect AEW. Longtime fans immediately became nervous at the thought of a corporate merger affecting their favorite wrestling shows. WCW was effectively killed when the AOL Time Warner pairing decided they no longer wanted wrestling on the Turner Networks. 
Many have the sinking feeling that history could repeat itself. Thus far, there's no indication that the company intends to drop AEW from its lineup. They shouldn't. They should be very pleased with what it's doing. It's ranked one through five on the night on Wednesdays on most nights. Ranking number one mostly. So the show has drawn ratings strongly in the time slots that they've been in and under the current rights deals is right now a bargain for Time Warner. The media landscape is changing quickly. Major cuts have been announced for scripted programming with the newly merged conglomerate. If things go wrong and the new management decides they no longer are interested in wrestling or that the results aren't worth the investment, Tony Khan has plenty of options. Dave Meltzer talked about these options on The Observer. He says, and I quote, you know, it's a whole changing world. The fact that the ratings are very good puts them in a very good position. I think that they would be able to get somewhere with what they have. I don't see AEW not being around. I think it's here for a long time. I think it would kill it. The number one thing that would kill it, it would be Tony Khan just wanting to move on in life and be mad at wrestling and not wanting to do wrestling anymore because he doesn't need to. It's not like his major livelihood or anything like that. It's very different from promoters of the past who used it as their main livelihood. I don't expect that to happen, but it is something that you have to consider. I don't think that's personally going to happen myself. He probably could sell it and somebody else could come along. He definitely could sell it right now. Somebody else or whoever would buy it probably would keep it alive if he wants to sell it. He could probably try to go public with it if he wants. There's a million different things that can happen in the future and everything like that. The value of the company, I've heard economic people a year ago give, gave me a number and that the company right now is worth over $400 million, and it would be way up from that now because it's a lot more popular now. So Meltzer's already been talking about this, and I know a lot of the people, all these fucking neckbeard geeks online, these irrelevant fucking clowns that are aging 50-year-old slobs on social media, they're already fucking rubbing their sweaty palms in anticipation that AEW dies. I've never seen a group of people wanting to see something fail so much than these people wanting to see AEW fail. I don't understand it. AEW is not going anywhere. If AEW is not back with Time Warner in 2024, they will be given another network to thrive on. It is not going anywhere. There's so much riding on this that is virtually impossible that Tony Khan is going to allow this to just waste away. It's not going anywhere. If it's not on TNT, it's not on TBS, there will be a company that will pay for T uh that will pay for AEW's programming not a worry in the world should the fans have now with the streaming service idea tony shivani thinks that the discovery time warner merger could mean a streaming service for aew he says on his podcast from the people that i've talked to for me on the surface yes but i know what happened before i don't think it's going to have a problem when the discovery warner media merger takes place I think we have a viable enough product that if Discovery says we don't want wrestling, we could end up somewhere else. The cons are pretty plugged in. That's what's different about this era, that if the Time Warner Discovery doesn't want us, we still have a business. I think there's always some concern, but we've built up a good relationship with Warner Media. If this merger comes and we've been reading, and as we've been reading, they've been clearing out a lot of people. It seems to me that they are really being into streaming services, which I hope this means is that we finally got a, are going to have a streaming service. In other words, we're finally going to have our own network where we could show our old shows. Again, I don't know why anybody would be overly concerned about this. This is not this is none of our this is none of our concern. Whatever happens happens. They they're on TBS and TNT till 2024. 
And whatever happens from that, if they stay, I do think that they're going to get more money and earn more money when the time comes for more uh, television rights deals. And if they want to get a streaming service, I could see them ending up on Discovery or I could see them end up on HBO Max, whatever the case may be. They're, they're going to be fine. I don't think this is going to affect the company in any way whatsoever. So cut the narrative, cut the bullshit about AEW dying. They're not going anywhere. And I do think that at the end of the day, Tony Khan is going to have something there with AEW, whether it's with TBS, TNT, or some other channel in the future. AEW Rampage. The TV schedule is about to change because of the NBA and NFL, or NHL rather, not NFL, NBA and NHL coverage that will be happening in the next couple of weeks. Meltzer noted in the daily update on the Wrestling Observer Radio that the broadcast schedule will be bounced. This is going to happen every year at this time for AEW Rampage as long as they are on TNT. He says, and I quote, yeah, because of the NBA and NHL playoffs, Rampage is going to be bounced around a lot. I think it's always going to air on Friday, but that might not even be 100%. I think it's going to air on Friday, but it will be at different times, and we really don't know the times. I know that the TV guides right now list as Fridays, but it's going to be regular time. Then May 6th is listed at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific because of the playoffs. That could change. That is not necessarily the time. And then every week, really, until these playoffs are over, it's going to be bounced around. The schedule of Rampage is subject to change based on those games. Rampage getting bounced around every week, however long is, will happen all through May. Just like any other program, when Rampage is moved from its normal time slot, the ratings usually go down. Last time Rampage was moved from its normal time slot was earlier this month, and the ratings declined, despite having a live show and a world title main event between Adam Cole and Adam Page where the episode only drew 482,000 live viewers. And finally, guys, speaking of Rampage, Eddie Kingston and Daniel Garcia had to cut time from their AEW match uh, a couple of weeks back. Meltzer of The Observer previously noted that Eddie Kingston versus Daniel Garcia from last week's show went about 22 minutes live with only 13 minutes of wrestling making it to the TV broadcast. In the latest edition of The Wrestling Observer, Meltzer says, and I quote, I was told the Kingston match, they cut 10 minutes from it, and somebody had a clock. They cut several minutes, but it was not 10 minutes. It was far less than that. It was maybe two or three minutes. This is why I've always said Rampage needs to be live. Shit like this. You're packing so much into the fucking show, you're getting a 22-minute match with Eddie Kingston and Daniel Garcia that's only getting 13 minutes of wrestling making it to the broadcast. I couldn't tell the difference until I read this fucking news article. I couldn't tell the difference. I really couldn't, watching it. A Rampage needs to be live. I don't know why the show is not live. I think after all this shit is over and you make it what it needs to be, it needs to be the B show, it needs to be live, and it needs to be two hours. I don't like the current format of Rampage. I don't. It's a fine show. It's, it's one hour. It's, it's innocent. It needs to be live. I don't think Eddie Kingston and Daniel Garcia should have anything ever with what they do cut from a live television broadcast. That's pathetic. You fit so much into the fucking show because you're strapped for TV time and you only got three hours a week to do what you got to do on top of the dark shit on YouTube. Maybe not fit in so much shit on the actual show where you can let these guys shine. I don't know why they needed to go 22 minutes live anyway. Seems like overkill. But taking shit away from them is also not the answer to your problems either. And cutting matches on TV is not the answer to your problems either. Stop overloading the show 
with a bunch of nonsense and just let it flow naturally with the most important stuff that you got going on. You don't need to fit five matches and three interviews on the fucking show and then cut entrances from the goddamn show either. It all feels very amateurish. It does. I'm not a fan of Rampage like I was when it first started. I thought it was going to be a lot different. All it is is an extension of Dynamite at one hour taped on Friday night. And we don't even know when it's going to air in, in May because of the NHL and NBA playoffs. It is what it is. It needs to be live at two hours and it really needs to be its version of SmackDown because Dynamite is their flagship show. Guys, that is all I have as far as the news is concerned on this episode of Off The Script. I appreciate you guys very much for joining me on the show tonight, man. Let me know what you think down below in the comments of all the top stories tonight, including that Ember Moon bombshell, man, exposing WWE for being fucking awful. The sad state of today's women's wrestling in WWE. We're going to go over the Super Chats in just a second, man. Also, let me check the chat. You guys did great with the likes, man. 1,276 likes right now on the live stream. I appreciate you guys, man. 1,000 was the minimum. You guys went above and beyond, man. Let's try for 1,500. If you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, let's try for 1,500 likes on tonight's live OTS Extra. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below if you're new to the channel. Thank you. If you're an OG, thank you for being here. But if you're new, man, hit that subscribe button. I had to say something or do something in the show where it warrants a like and a subscription. Hit that join button. Become a member of VIP right here on Off The Script. You're going to sit right back there with me in the VIP section. Get those custom emotes and those badges next to your name in the live stream chat. Also, go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Everything you need is on the homepage. I will be live again tomorrow night with Monday Night Raw and its post-show right here on OTS. And tonight's show, once again, is sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, code JD. At checkout for your free sample. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. Thank you so much for all of your support via Super Chat. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. When Vince dies, I hope Tony purchases WWE and puts it out of business. Nobody should be put out of business, bro. Not even the decrepit old geezers, the fucking perverted geezers in WWE. Ulysses with two $5 super, three $5 super chats. This proves what we already knew, but the clueless fans like in some in the IWC. That Triple H and even HBK were not in charge after the relaunch of NXT 2.0. And she basically confirmed that. Especially with them wanting the women to dress like Mandy. This is all Vince, John Laurinaitis, and Bruce. Also, when it comes to this, where are all the people who should be called out for the blatant disrespect to women in WWE treating them like objects instead of stars? Ulysses, I don't know, man. I basically basically said all this, man. I basically said all this. Women's wrestling in WWE is a fucking scam. The revolution, the women's revolution is a scam. Eric Newton with a $5 super chat. I really wish WWE had better mentality. Competition makes them better. Competing with WCW in the mid-90s helped us give, helped us with the attitude era. Yeah, they don't, they don't think they have competition, Eric. 
They've been quoted saying sleep is their competition. They don't give a shit about competition. In fact, AEW being around somehow made them worse. Somehow they are worse with AEW in existence. How? I don't know. Michelle Moran with a $5 Super Chat Unification match called off because USA NBC probably had a hissy fit about SmackDown guys possibly holding the Raw Tag Team titles. I don't think it had anything to do with NBC Universal or Fox. I just think WWE is clueless. They are creatively clueless. None of that shit made sense on SmackDown. None of it. I ranted about that so much on Friday night, man. You guys got to go watch that rant. That was a nice rant. Jay Coyle with a $5 super chat. UK super chat. Be grateful you are blocked by bottom dollar. He tweeted a naked photo of himself. Unfortunately, Jesse had to send me this picture earlier this afternoon, and he graced me with its presence. Unfortunately. Tan May. 29-month member. This guy's got a gold microphone and everything, man. Tan May was the first gold microphone in the OTS VIP club. He says it's his birthday today. Everybody in the chat... Let me see those whiskey glasses for 10 May and his birthday. Happy birthday, brother. Happy to have you here for 29 months, man. I love the fucking recommitment. ECW Hardcore 07 with a $5 Super Chat. What the fuck are you drinking, JD? I'm drinking a Madras OTS for life. Unfortunately, ECW Hardcore, I'm drinking hard seltzer. Not really hard seltzer, not alcoholic seltzer, but liquid death. You know, I, I walk around with liquid death, man, in a public place, and people think that I am drinking alcohol. I walked into one of my favorite bar, my favorite bars here, man, right here uh, in Forest Hills, Station House. And they're like, oh, no, no, you can't bring in outside alcohol. I'm like, it's seltzer. Sparkling water. They're like, oh, 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 all right crazy gotta touch my soul with a $20 super chat I love your work bro been watching since 2013 oh man that makes me feel fucking good that makes me feel good gotta touch my soul thank you so much for the 20 in super chat raging girl gamer with a 20 month recommitment to the OTS VIP club. Hooligram, is that true? Machine Gun Kelly owns Liquid Death? Rage says, nothing really to say, but Becky Lynch is the true needle mover over Roman Reigns. I don't understand why people don't understand that. Uh, you know, uh, Jesse, uh, listen, I'm going to need you to put in a word to Otis, man. We need Rage out of here. We, we, need, we need Rage out of, the, out of the venue. Out of the venue. I will not have this, re- this Becky Lynch narrative being spread in the fucking venue, man. I can't stand it. Rage, what's wrong with you, bro? Tone Mooney with a $5 super chat. I feel once Vince passes away, the world will know the darker hidden secrets of how this company truly treats their women, just like Hugh Hefner. Another thing I'm going to be right on, Mooney. Another thing I'm going to be right on. Brian Bodice with a Canadian $5 super chat. Big thanks, JD. I used to listen to Denise before I found your channel. 
If it weren't for you, my brain might be porridge. You are the IWC king. Hashtag OTS for life. Brian, I, I'm so I'm sorry to hear this this devastating news, brother. I I, I, re- I really am, man. Bro, how your brain isn't fucking jello at this point? There could be irreversible damage done to your brain, bro. I'm glad you are in one piece. Godspeed, my friend. Godspeed. Noodles the goat. Alfred Konua is a geek. Yeah, a brainless one at that. This guy is out there on Twitter complaining about demos on Axis TV and claims that Forbidden Door will not sell out. I think Alfred may have fucking slipped on something in his own home and banged his head. Maybe gave himself a fucking brain hemorrhage, man. I I don't know, but the guy's a fucking retard. Seriously. I, 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 it's it's mind-boggling to me. I mean, Al- Alfred may be the dumbest fucking idiot next to Ryback and Disco Inferno in the IWC. And I don't I, listen. I don't mean Issa any disrespect because I know Issa works with them. But I, I listen. I, I tell. I, I would tell her this right to her face. I, she knows who I am. He's a very good friend of mine. This guy's a blithering fucking idiot. How this guy has a verified check mark is fucking mind-boggling to me. This is the same guy that pays for the Fest Nationals and blasts it all over social media about Rampage. As if he's getting paid under the table by... As if he's getting a fucking hand job from Bruce underneath the table. Alfred Konua! Joseph Terrell with a $2 super chat. Vince really thinks his women are porn stars. Yeah. Well, I mean... That's what they think. They've thought this for years. GV in the chat. JD, you should answer to Girl on Wrestling. I'm sorry. I don't speak to unintelligent fucking half-witted idiots on social media. I'm sorry. What did she ask me? What did she ask me? Seriously, does she want to ride in the Mustang? I don't give out rides in the Mustang for free. Tell her to go dip her fucking feet in hot acid, man, and shut the fuck up. Nobody cares what she has to say. Truffle Mustard becomes a new member in the venue. Thank you so much, Truffle Mustard. I absolutely love spicy mustard. So, Truffle Mustard, you and I have something in common, brother. Thank you so much. What are you drinking, bro? What are you drinking, bro? I don't I don't even know what she I don't even know what she asked. She wants views and clout. She probably wants something else too, but I can't give it to her. Sounds like she needs that. I heard Sean's View Entertainment is available. The Brush! Sean's View Entertainment! I heard he's available. I heard, I heard he has a, a dying channel too. You, you guys should get together, man, and consult over your dying channels. 
Sounds like it's a match made in heaven. Make the trip out to Boston. It's not far from where you are, right? Hey, they had a good drinking scene out there. Truffle mustard, thank you so much, brother. What are you drinking? William Sanchez. The $20 Super Chat. Today's my birthday, JD. I'm enjoying some Jameson Cobra. Oh, man, I love that Jameson Cobra. That's a good, that's a good one, bro. You got a good one there, man. The women's division is completely dead. I hope more releases expose this trash. It's only going to get worse. Happy birthday, brother. I need to see those whiskey glasses in the chat for William Sanchez. Thank you, William. Philip Newton with a 499 Super Chat. Parker was better off since he was packaged as a mix between nails and Festus. Bro, this guy's going to go on to, to destroy worlds on the independent circuit, man. Watch. WWE's going to let him go, and they will regret every fucking moment of it. Baby Shaq, 342 becomes a new member. Baby Shaq, what are you drinking, brother? Thank you. The Wakandan forever. With a $2 super chat. I call Shotgun of the Mustang. Wakanda forever. Listen, man, I don't give out I don't give out shotgun of the Mustang. Jesse doesn't even get shotgun of the Mustang, bro. Come on. Come on. Joseph Taylor with a $2 super chat. Dakota Kai will be 34 this Friday. Now you know why they let her go. Steven Escalante Gonzalez with a 199 super chat. Shame on Bruce and Vince. Did anybody find out who uh, Lee Dina is? Any sleuths in the chat? Huh? Eric Newton with a $5 super chat. Thanks for all the hard work you do for your channel, JD. I feel more educated about pro wrestling when I watch your channel. That's always... That's always what happens here, Eric Newton. Thank you. Bradley Robinette with a 199 Super J. MJF called every WWE show great TV. What the fuck? Uh, Bradley, he is playing his gimmick. Don't mind MJF, man. MJF knows what he's doing. GOC would never get shotgun in the Mustang. I'll give her a fucking baby seat in the back. Tape her mouth shut. Give her a fucking pacifier to shut her up. And then I'll put on some fucking cannibal corpse, man. Drown out the fucking bullshit that comes out of her mouth. Drown her out with some George Corpse Grinder Fisher of cannibal corpse, man. Jesus with a 999 Super Chat. People defended Swole for Tony Khan's tweet about... Turning a blind eye on how Ember Moon was treated. Guess it doesn't fit their agenda. People defended Swole for Tony Khan's tweet, but turned a blind eye on how Ember was treated. Yeah, you know, yeah. If Ember, listen, man, if Ember was a white female, things would be different. Just how the, this, it's just how the community works, man. Nobody's going to mention this after tonight. Nobody. After this week, it's all over. They're going to turn the other cheek. 
And Ember Moon is going to go on, told her story, on to the next story. Whatever's the hottest topic next week, man. She's not even going to get any traction off this, man. It was hot for uh, an, uh, uh, eight hours. And now it's dead. Jesus. Thank you so much, brother. Send your nerd with a $10 super chat. I never wanted to do any criticism toward AEW and their handling of their women's division after Athena's interview. The disgusting perverts running the E. At least TK respects women. TK respects women, but he's got his own problems with the women's division, nerd. Uh, Jay... Nutria, would Corpse Grinder's neck get front row seat in the Mustang? Yes, he would. Absolutely. I've seen Cannibal Corpse six times live in concert, man. I'm always amazed at Corpse Grinder's voice at his age and his fucking neck. My dad. My dad, early, early, early in my uh, heavy metal phase, man, going to Lemoore's in Brooklyn. Drove me and my guys to go see them at least three out of the six times that we went to go see them live. He always, uh, we, I showed him video, video of Corpse Grind. He always used to say, he always, he always used to call him Rubneck. Fucking crazy, man. Uh, Magician Sapphire with a $10 super chat. It's sickening seeing all the E-drones and WWE apologists trip over themselves to discredit Ember Moon and defend the garbage WWE puts out. Magician, it sucks. If they don't understand that, then uh, maybe they should get the fuck off social media. Seriously. They're all trolls, man. Don't even listen to them. These e-drones are all trolls, man. They're all bots. They're not even real people. They can't they don't have they don't have real life grown-up responsibilities. None of them have children. They hate their parents. They're still living at home with their parents in their mother's basement. They reek of fucking six-day-old pizza and fucking Doritos. It's the same shit. Brandon James Shea with a $5 Super Jack. Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti win the AAA Mixed Tag Team Championship. Yes, indeed. Do I care? No. Brandon James Shea. Thank you so much, brother. Mike NY becomes a new member. Bro, what are you drinking? Mr. Zaki Boy with Sean Ross Sapp get a ride in the Mustang. He could. But if I hear him complain about my taste in music, I'm going to have to dump him. I'll give him a cup of milk and he can shut the fuck up. I won't even, I won't even, I won't even fucking torture him that badly, man. I'll put on some dream theater. I'll put on something progressive, man. I'll make a, I'll I'll put on something that's going to make his brain wander. What the fuck's going on? Maybe some dragon force. Mike, New York, what are you drinking, brother? The wild demon 23 with a five month super chat. Five-month VIP. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. Thank you for the recommitment. Kotlin McRae. Good luck getting through Raw tomorrow with a 199 Super Chat. Bro, I don't need luck getting through Monday Night Raw, man. I got a uh, very expensive espresso machine downstairs, and I like to make myself an oat milk double shot cappuccino. I'll be fine. Issa says she gets shotgun in the Mustang. End of story. 
Listen, Issa, if, if you ain't bringing Roman, I'm, I may have to decline you on that offer. I, I, may, I, may ha- I may have to dump you on the side of the road with, uh, on the side of the road with Sat. Roman needs to be included. Okay? Super Mario Bros., my, my taste in music is always about... I know. I got the best Spotify playlist of all time, man. I love my Spotify playlist. Uh, Cotlin, good luck getting through Raw tomorrow. Uh, nothing that espresso won't cure, brother. Thank you. Uh, Mick Swagger with a nine-month super chat. Great show, JD. Best in the IWC. Keep on keeping on, brother. Thank you, Mick Swagger. Hopefully you're enjoying that VIP lounge, man. I hear it's the place to be. I don't really get a good... I don't really get to step foot in the VIP lounge all that often, but I hear some good things in there, man. Roman is always included. Good. Good. Jeremy Harris with the $2 Super Chat. I don't watch WWE anymore. I just listen to you, JD. Thank you, Jeremy. You know, rumor has it that I'm more entertaining than WWE. MGM Bolin with a 499 Super Chat. I watched the WWE Evil episode about Sasha and it was really good until Shilcito popped up on my screen. Yeah, I think I visibly have some cracks in my television screen just hearing her voice emanate through my speakers, man. It, it, ain't, it ain't good. It ain't good. And the TV is not in warranty anymore, man. So uh, I, I think Denise may have to pay for my fucking TV. Uh, Indigo with a 22-month super chat. Indigo is two months away from a gold microphone, this guy. Oh, my goodness. Hey, JD, much respect. Can't wait to earn my gold badge. Love your truth bombs and so- about Sasha. I'm going to Dynamite next week. Another awesome live stream. Uh, Indigo, if you're going to Dynamite, man, I, I need some signage. Or wear a t-shirt, bro. Something. Maybe we'll, pin- Maybe we'll pick you out in the crowd. Sean Stiggers with a $10 Super Chat. Good Sunday, JD. At what point would you consider bringing, uh, bringing Solo to the main roster and adding him to the bloodline? It's basically reference on NXT anyway. Sean, I got uh, Solo down there for at least another year. Another year, minimum. MJ Will with a new membership. MJ, what are you drinking, brother? Thank you for the VIP commitment. Shakoi with a $2 super chat. Have you heard of the Disco Inferno situation? Uh, I did, and I'm not giving somebody like a clueless hack. As Disco Inferno is. Any more attention? Kenny Omega fucking roasted him. Good for him. Mon Taylor with a 199 Super Chat. Congrats to Alicia Fox for being three years sober. Ricardo Linnell with a 999 Super Chat. Lena D is Ryan Satin's alter ego. What a shame both of them are. Well, Ryan Satin... Probably didn't expect for me to read his burner accounts email on live tonight. Live OTS tonight. Uh, Ricardo, thank you so much, man. Shakoi with a $2 super chat. So Alfred is a bot for WWE, yes. Alfred Konua is a WWE android. Hooligram with a $5 super chat. GOC wants JD's hot Italian sausage. Just kidding. Love you, bro. OTS forever with a shot glass emoji or a uh, cocktail glass emoji. Thank you so much, brother. I don't know what she wants, man. I don't know what she wants. Just hit up Cornette. I'm sure he'll give it to you. ECW Hardcore 07, $5 Super Chat. What was your first ECW show? My first ECW show was Barely Legal 97. 
My uncle Rip got me into ECW. I think that was my first show as well. Barely legal. I also I also used to sneak watch it on uh, TNN when they were on TV, late night TV, against my mother's wishes. Joseph Taylor with a five dollar super chat. JD, I like Panic at the Disco, Fallout Boy, and My Chemical Romance. Joseph Taylor, you sound like Rhea Ripley's playlist. I'm sorry to hear this. I'm very sorry for you, Joseph Taylor. Maybe you need to go get some new musical acts to listen to, bro. Uh, Russ Constantine with a $2 super chat. I can't stop listening to Alter Bridge. Other side, it's a great fucking song. Alter Bridge is in the studio recording a new album. I can't wait. And MGM Bowling. With a 199 Super Chat, finish Yellowstone yet. Need season five ASAP. Uh, I was over at my parents' house in their guest room last night, and I watched, I believe it was season four, episode seven, where John Dutton gives a speech in front of Town Hall, and he's running for governor of Montana. That's where I stopped. Can't wait to get into the rest of it, man. Yellowstone is awesome. Guys, what a night. I love you all. These live OTSs are really fucking awesome, man. I love that we've found the groove for the show on Sunday night. You guys are great. I will be live on Monday night in the venue. For Monday Night Raw, right here on Off The Script, we got a lot to talk about as we begin a new week. Baby Shaq with a 499 Super Chat. Tomorrow is Raw's final episode before WrestleMania Rehash. Not watching. We'll watch this show. Rhea Ripley and Buddy Matthews are dating now. OTS. Are they really? I guess that's great for Rhea Ripley. Buddy Matthews is a handsome fellow. Can't say the same about Rhea. I did not know that. Captain Solo with $5 Super Chat. Fire one. Keep one. Who would you keep between Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch? Who would you fire? Jesus fucking Christ. As we as we see it right now, I'm keeping Charlotte getting rid of Becky Lynch. Guys, I'll be live tomorrow night in the venue for Monday Night Raw right here on OTS. Thank you so much for the Super Chats. Thank you for the four new members in the OTS VIP club. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. We need 92 more likes for 1,500 likes, guys. If anybody's in the chat still lingering and have not hit the thumbs up, hit that thumbs up for me right now, man. Let me know what you guys think of everything down below in the comment section. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel and go follow me on social media, at JD from NY206 on Twitter and Instagram. Guys, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to enjoy couple of episodes of Yellowstone before bed. But before I do that, I need two things for me. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. Number two, for everybody still here, man, I need you to turn that music up, and I need that music on max. I will see you guys live tomorrow right here on Off The Script inside the OTS venue for Monday Night Raw and the OTS Monday Night Raw post show. Until then, guys, I love you. Take care, and I'll see you tomorrow right here on Off The Script.